Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 47. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Friday, Steelers Nation, as we get you guys ready for Sunday's game. The Pittsburgh Steelers are back at Acrisure Stadium, 1 o'clock Eastern time against the Green Bay Packers. Pittsburgh, 5-3, and three, Green Bay, 3-5. and five. We'll preview the game a little bit later today. Dave, how you doing? Doing great. I'm ready for another uh, Steelers game now. It's been too long uh, <laughs> yeah. at, at, at this point. So uh sets up for an interesting game against two kind of really evenly matched teams, I think, overall. Uh, but uh, one that it, 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 it certainly does feel like, and the Steelers are favored in this one, it, it, it's one that you feel that the Steelers should have, and it would be a, a big one to have too. You know, to move to six and three uh, on on the season ahead of back to back AFC North games against the uh, Cleveland Browns and, and and Cincinnati Bengals. So, uh, uh, you know, not not a must win game, but one of those <laughs> another one of those ones where you feel like you better win it. Sure, especially as this AFC North really tightens up with Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Cincinnati, all five and three, and Baltimore leading the division at seven and two. A little bit later in this show, we'll have a Packers beat writer reporter on to talk Green Bay. That'll be the man that's covered Green Bay for a long time, Tom Silverstein. He covers the Packers for Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. So we'll speak with him here in a little bit and get his thoughts. Dave, as you mentioned, this, you know, this game in theory could go either way, although I think a lot of people are expecting Pittsburgh to come out on top, but health could certainly impact uh, some of those thoughts and predictions. And from an injury standpoint, some interesting notes for Pittsburgh and for Green Bay. For the Steelers on Thursday, four players all on defense, not practicing. That is Micah Fitzpatrick with his hamstring, Landon Roberts with his knee, Montrevious Adams, his ankle, and Kim Hayward with the groin. At this point, hard to expect Fitzpatrick to be good to go in this one. Maybe for next week against Cleveland seems much more realistic. Adams, back-to-back days of not practicing, that's a discouraging sign. Landon Roberts was limited on Wednesday, did not practice on Thursday. Same with Kim Hayward. Never want to see guys going backwards. That means Friday's report's going to be obviously very critical to see how they get listed for this game. Yeah, I think uh, the thing that you hope for is they're just taking it easy on a guy like uh, Cameron Hayward. Uh you know, uh, you get get a little bit of a longer bit of you know rest time coming off of the Thursday game there, and you know overall, you would hope that he didn't do anything. He talked about didn't he talk about something about on that opening extra point or, or something that the Titans <laughs> really tested his groin or something like that. Uh, but uh, I mean, look, we'll we'll learn a lot. I think in this Friday injury report with the two guys that uh, uh, did not practice in a uh, Landon Robertson. And, and Cameron Hayward, you, you don't like to see the guys go backwards, obviously, uh, on the injury report. But both those guys are veterans uh, with that said. So you know, we'll have to see. And if Roberts cannot play, of course, they'll be down two inside linebackers with Cole Holcomb out for the year with a knee injury he sustained against Tennessee. So if we just for a second assume that Roberts is out, then 
I assume we will have to think Mark Robinson steps in. Does anybody else come up? I, I assume they'll make an elevation where either Tariq Carpenter or uh, Mikel Walker will get called up. So depth of that position really will be tested if Roberts cannot play. Yeah, you have to wonder maybe if they're going to elevate somebody anyway, you know, even if, mm-hmm. if, if Alexander can go. But, Mike, you have to elevate too, <laughs> you know. Uh, that will probably be the telltale uh uh, sign when it comes to uh, uh, Quan Alexander there, but uh, I mean, Elena Roberts, Elena Roberts uh, yeah. uh, but uh, hopefully I didn't say Alexander. I said Roberts the first time or, or uh, you said Alexander twice, but we, we know oh, okay. you're talking All about right. Elena Roberts and yeah. the injury. Alexander's good. Uh, Alexander is good to go. Oh, my apologies there, but uh, yeah, uh, Saturday by whatever the cutoff time is midday there uh, uh, with the elevations will give us a good idea. I think of what's going to happen with the Landon Roberts there. So, but you know, regardless, you might see one get elevated anyway. So uh, stay tuned. Yeah. Now Walker's got a bunch of NFL experience. He was a full-time starter for Atlanta last year. Kind of surprising that guy was hanging out. He got uh, released by the Raiders off the practice squad. This dude had a hundred plus tackles last year for the Falcons. So, there is experience there. He's pretty new to Pittsburgh. He got signed two weeks ago. If that carpenter has been with Pittsburgh since early September, but much less experience. He's actually a former Packers. So I don't know if that has anything to do with maybe a calculation in, in the opponent. Um, he was one of those linebacker safety hybrids. He was really a safety at Georgia Tech. I was at the Senior Bowl, whatever they invited it, invited him, I think, midweek, and they pushed him to inside linebacker. So um, he's kind of a, a bit of a tweener. Walker would make more sense to to bring up just because of, of his NFL experience, but we'll see what the Friday report looks like and go from there. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. You know, once again, uh, we'll we'll learn a little bit later on this afternoon. It's hard to speculate, especially when you got veterans like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, keep your fingers crossed that Roberts can play, and uh, obviously, the same goes with Cam. They they really could use him in this game uh, uh, for obvious reasons here, and you know, even if they don't get the full, you know. 75, 85%, you know, uh, snap count out of, out of him, his presence alone. And, and when he is in there c- could, uh, really impact what the Steelers do up front. For green Bay, they are also looking at some potentially notable defensive players, not playing in this game. And that's led by their top corner, Jair Alexander, who's got a shoulder injury. Matt LaFleur seemed to be pretty pessimistic about his odds of playing in this game to not even rule out. This could be a long-term issue for Alexander. Seems to be surprising the Packers media because I believe Alexander played through a similar injury or shoulder injury in that win Sunday over the Rams, but he has not practiced on Wednesday or Thursday. So that's a discouraging sign for him. And as we'll talk to Tom a little bit later, it sounds like Quay Walker, their top inside linebacker leading tackler, is not looking good to go in this one. If there is any bright sign for Green Bay, it sounds like Kenny Clark, who got carted off with a shoulder injury last week, is likely to play in this one. He's been limited the, the last two days, and Tom thinks he's going to give it a shot. Yeah, uh, you know, going into this week, yeah, I think a lot of people were kind of caught off guard by the J- Jair Alexander in- injury and all. And uh, my most most of my focus was on Kenny Clark because, as you said, and, mm-hmm. and we wrote it up right during that game uh, uh, on Sunday, them him getting carted off there. But it sounds like he might give it a go, and Jair won't. And and that's a you know that's big for them, especially with the uh, inexperience that they have over at the cornerback position. And they've been pretty decent against the pass overall, especially when it comes to not. Giving up uh, 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 the big plays, and I think we talked 
what a couple of days ago, what's the, what's one of, you know in a quick look ahead, what, what's one of the things that uh, concerns you most about the Packers defense? And I think I said the pass defense. Well, if you don't have Jair Alexander in there, and we'll also see what's going to happen at safety, right? Will they get uh, Ford back, or will mm-hmm. uh, Anthony Johnson uh, have to ha- have to have to you know come in and play your know, free safety again uh, for them, uh, like he did against the Rams there? So uh, you could go from you know what 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 at least you know, on tape seemed to be a pretty good secondary to having a couple of young kids on the outside and. In other words, this could be an area that the Steelers attack. And even even if Kenny Clark does play, you know, having to get carted off with a shoulder injury is not great. I think uh, as, as people will learn in our interview, don't want to give the whole thing away yet with, with Tom Silverstein. Uh, he might have to wear some sort of harness or something uh, there. So he might not be 100 uh, uh, percent on top of it, as you mentioned, Quay, Quay Walker and also. Uh, going to be interesting to see what they filled out there because of injuries on on the defensive side of football for the Packers. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, and we'll talk about it more when we transition into our Packers preview later in the show. But their outside corners, Dave, are looking pretty weak right now. You got rookies, you got young guys, you got people off the practice squad who maybe you know have to see serious playing time. And if you're Pittsburgh, who loves throwing on the outside, loves throwing to Deontay Johnson, and generally speaking, loves throwing to, to George Pickens, hasn't happened as much the last couple of weeks, but Certainly, he's capable of those big plays, big games. That that's the matchup that you're going to go after probably all day long. Yeah, and what well, you know, once again, the Friday injury report for both these teams will will shed us a little bit of light uh, long after we're done recording this, and then obviously we'll watch both teams for elevations. Yep. So stay tuned to the site for Friday and Saturday. There's going to be a lot to note from a health standpoint getting ready for this game. All right, Dave, Matt Canada, Terrell Austin speaking with the media on Thursday, as they do every Thursday. We'll start with Matt Canada. What did he say that really kind of stuck out to you the most in his meeting with the media yesterday? Yeah, not a lot, Bob. Uh, Overall, really, he seemed to be in a more in a little bit better mood. I'll tell you that. Uh, Yeah, 166 yards, some decent results will make you a little happier. Yeah, let's see if there was anything... Uh, that really stuck out here. Did you see it a little bit more? You know, he, when, when talking about the run game, he, he put it more on, you know, uh, especially on some scheme stuff with the pulling and all like that. He, 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 he hinted more at volume being ha- able to have more volume, uh, being some of the reasons why, you know, we saw some things and more success in other areas. And it's just, you know, it's not like they've been trying to re- reinvent the wheel. Uh, he obviously pointed to execution being better in that game against Tennessee, which it was. So I don't think we, you know, there's not, I think he even used, he even used, you know, nothing magical is going on uh, there. It's just, look, they, they executed a lot better. They were able to keep that unit uh, on, on the field uh, more. And, you know, uh, they they obviously the results were with 166 total yards of rushing in that game, and it very much sounds like Broderick Jones will start at right tackle. He's confirmed to reporters he's taken the first team reps all week, and you know Canada complimented his play. You know Mason Cole did as well. Again, I think for Jones to not just play well, but to to play on the right side where he hasn't played much. I know he's gotten some practice reps there throughout the season, but obviously he's been a left tackle for most of his college NFL career. And to do that on a short week 
with one practice on Wednesday. They didn't practice on Monday. They had a walkthrough Tuesday, but one real practice in the play that well against a couple of good pass rushers. You know, Harold Landry's a former high pick and a dude that's got some production in the NFL. Um, can't say enough about how good that performance was for Broderick Jones. But yeah, I think for the run game, there's been some mixed commentary where I think Canada said, well, you saw more pulling and more you know, runs because they just had the ball more and they were running the ball more effectively. So there was more volume to see some of those types of things. But you heard Dan Moore earlier in the week say, well, we kind of pared down our run game and kind of focused our run game on a couple of concepts. So probably a bit of both in terms of why this run game was more successful, probably a bit more focus and having more success, which leads to more success. Yeah, look, uh, need to see that. You know, need to start stacking that week to week now. And, you know, you got a uh, Packers defense that's been, you know, pretty decent against the run overall, it feels like on, on, on tape. But, uh, within that, uh, the way they kind of scheme some things up at, at some time, we'll talk a little bit, uh, later in this show about how they do some of these, uh, TE stunts and, and exact, uh, and even on early downs as well, too, against the run. You time, you time a couple of those up and kind of, if you, can see them coming, man. It, it, it while the looper is happening within that, there is a little bit of gap that opens up because that's the thing it, it is those stunts are, are are designed to create lanes, right? For for the looper mm-hmm. to get into. So if you can beat the looper to uh, uh, to the hole, you know you might be able to bust one in there. But uh, I, you know, I'm excited to see you know, potentially. Can we start seeing some pin and pulls and stuff like that? You know, now, now that you have Broderick uh, in, in there a little bit, that's one thing that that this offense has gotten away from over the years. You know, we we've talked about uh, excited to see some of these straight pulls, you know, of, of of these guards and all. How about some of these pin and pulls now, where the the guard on the on the same side or the center pulls out, you know, and and you mm-hmm. block down. Because I think there's one thing too that kind of stuck sticks out. Don't don't want to get you know, too deep into the tape just yet. But I, I think Green Bay is a team that, you know, if you scheme it up right, can be run on the edges, especially with these young corners out there. Yeah, I think the corners play a factor in that. Although, again, we'll, we'll kind of, I, I don't want to give away the, way, uh, the whole discussion on the run defense, but I thought to run on Green Bay, you run inside. I thought their edge defense in the, in the couple of games that I watched recently, at least, was pretty effective overall. But we'll see what, what the Seals game plan is, because do you want to add more layers to it when you felt like a focused run game is what kind of led to some of your success? Or do you want to try to start building off that? It could go either way. So I'm not sure what they're going to do in this game, but I would expect probably some more pulling of some respect, whether those are, you know, Broderick Jones on those start schemes or kind of more of those wham and full blocks. We'll see what they do. All right. That's probably it, though, from Canada overall from Terrell Austin. Um, usually not a lot there, but a lot of commentary about that inside linebacker room and just kind of off the top. I know it was sort of an obvious comment, but it, I think it's good to get this on record. He was asked about can Herbig potentially be an option inside given the injuries to the position, and he pretty much dismissed that immediately. I think almost was surprised by the question and said, oh, no, Nick, no, he's an outside guy, not even in emergency. So uh, just because it has been mentioned a couple times out there uh, since Holcomb went down. 
Herbig is not going to be an option at inside linebacker. Yeah, look, and we've talked about this, you know, after initially talking about wondering if he might be an inside guy coming out of the draft. I mean, he's done everything that you would like to see in a young developing edge rusher uh, and even one under, you know, uh, undersized in some of the measurables aspect of it. Uh, he's he's really done well on the outside. So there's no no reason to all of a sudden, uh, move him from that, put more on his plate and have him do things he has not done yet. Uh, uh, in, in, especially in this defense. And I mean, there's no reason to think right now at this point that he'll ever move inside. He's, he's, he's probably locked in, uh, at, at, at edge for the rest of the time now. Sure. In terms of guys that, you know, obviously could step up, Mark Robinson was mentioned and Austin, you know, spoke spoke well of Robinson and about kind of his growth and development. I know it goes back to those comments that I believe he referenced on Monday or Friday, whenever it was about Austin before the year began or early in the season, whenever that was about Robinson, probably more of a 2024 guy in terms of starting, but you know, injuries are going to change the equation and you would expect Roberts to obviously if Roberts is out, then Robinson's going to play, you know, a heavy amount of snaps. And if Roberts does play, then I imagine he might be limited and maybe there's an opportunity to, carve out a role for Mark Robinson. Yeah, we'll have to see what that looks like. And obviously the uh the injury status of a Landon Roberts will will play a lot into that uh come 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 this weekend as well too. So yeah, I expect to see him on the field. It's just how much. You know, are we mm-hmm. talking five snaps? Are we talking you know obviously probably be a little bit with a lot more than that if a Landon Roberts doesn't play. But uh, if Landon Roberts is deemed to go, even you know, even if he is deemed to go with with with, with that knee, uh, uh, will there be some situations where maybe uh, 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 Mark Robinson can can get a few snaps in there? So he, I mean, he's definitely going to be you would think the next man up, uh, you know, in 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 the rotation there. So it, it will be interesting to see, especially with the health of Roberts uh, uh, coming into play for this one. Right. I think Robinson, as you said, will play to some degree. The question is, is it going to be 10 snaps or 30 snaps or 50 snaps? We'll just have to to wait and see. But the quote from Austin on Robinson was, quote, I feel confident in Mark in giving us some of the reps that we want. Mark is a great kid, great guy, tough. So I feel confident Mark will have an opportunity to get in the game and have an impact on the game, end quote. So we'll see what the snap counts look like exiting Sunday's game. I mean, you never know. You start a season, you never know how injuries are going to impact things. And then how all of a sudden, how, how a guy that they talked about ahead of the season, you know, looking more towards 2024, you know, could, could end up getting, you know, legitimate, meaningful snaps in this thing. So uh, you can bet we'll be charting that one. Yep, for sure. Uh, Austin also talking about the long-term arc of Joey Porter Jr. That hopefully he can be a guy that shadows receivers didn't, obviously commit to him necessarily doing that this week, although I don't know if Green Bay has the guy that is so obvious to shadow the way that Tennessee does, the way that maybe future opponents of Amari Cooper and Jamar Chase do, but that is the goal is to have that that top-tier, lockdown, shutdown cornerback, and the hope is Porter can be that guy. Yeah, and you know, as far as, like, like we had said on the uh, uh, show the other day there, uh, you can you know that you can use him as a traveler now if you need to. I'm not so sure that what the Packers present on the other side of football will 
you know, call for such a uh, situation, but there might be a time or two where he follows a receiver over, you know, to another side, depending on down distance situations, uh, something like that. They know that they can do that now uh, in in, in situations moving forward. Uh, I just don't think we're going to see a lot of it, at least not in this next game against the Packers. Yeah, that's probably fair. Now, are there other components? You know, Mike Tomlin on Tuesday talked about that it wasn't just a D-hop discussion, but it was about trying to minimize some of the tackling responsibilities for Porter. I don't know what the book is on Green Bay in that regard, but I don't know if that's going to really affect things too much. I think, you know, while Tomlin did mention that, it's probably true. I think the overall goal was let's put Porter on D-hop because that's right. the matchup we like the most. Right, I agree. Uh, let's see, Terrell Austin also excited about Darius Rush and his impact. Assuming that Minka Fitzpatrick does not play this week, then I imagine that Rush will continue to work in dime packages. And so it's a good chance for Rush to get a lot of exposure because once Fitzpatrick comes back, Rush may not get a helmet and obviously may not be playing. Yeah, who had uh, Rush with 30, 30 snaps on their bingo card uh, <laughs> in, in that last game? And uh, look, you get a young cornerback like that, able, able to get him some snaps and and uh, it's a rare occurrence, especially with some guy that you, you know, with with a young kid that, that had yet to play any, you know, in, in, in an NFL game outside of what did he play back in preseason? He only played two preseason games and something like, what did we say? 40, 47 snaps, something like that. 40 something snaps. And overall they were eventful, uh, uneventful snaps other than him giving up two touchdowns, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. in that. So it's not like you'd learned a lot from his tape in the preseason, I didn't feel like, uh, so you still were basically working off of the college tape, uh, with him. Uh, but you know, to, to, to be able to get a young kid like that and, and, and get him integrated into defense that quick, and then on the field for the volume of snaps that he played at Tennessee and or against Tennessee. And then we'll see how many he gets, you know, gives you a good, uh, uh, a good measuring stick with him, even though he, as you mentioned, once Mika comes back, you have to wonder if he might be the odd man out back to the inactive list. But, uh, you know, it, it does feel like he's going to get some complement of snaps here this 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 Sunday against the Packers. And they moved him around. He was playing some slot corner. He was playing some kind of dime type role. He played free safety on that final drive. That's where he should have had and almost had that interception. Even I think a, a rep at left cornerback uh, in, in a red zone situation. So while his packages were limited to dime, which takes some off your plate, he was doing more than just, okay, you line up here and you do this. I mean, they really moved his his role around quite a bit in that game. Well, yeah. And that was surprising on top of the amount of volume of snaps. Mm-hmm. Should just mention, because I thought it was a good, a good and worthwhile question, just somebody asking about Corey Trice and how he's doing, of course, out for the year with that uh, knee injury reported to be a torn ACL, but Trell Austin said that Trice is doing well. He's in all the meetings. He's around the guys. And that's so important, Dave, because I, we hear the stories from guys to get hurt throughout for the season. They're kind of removed from the team. They focus on the rehab. They're not really in that building with the guys as much. And for a rookie, it's I think it's crucial to still be engaged and be at practice and be visible so you don't kind of get forgotten about and you stay engaged and get those mental reps in. So the injury was obviously devastating and, and terrible for, for Trice, but uh, I'm glad that he's still around, still working and getting healthier. Yeah, if there's any 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 good to come out of the, the injury that he had, it's when he when he had it and the, the, the time factor that you would think that he would be uh, up and ready to go come uh, OTAs next year. Yeah, that's going to be the hope there. And obviously the injury history is concerning, but he has bounced back from these things before. So he knows the road. It's tough as it is. He knows how to come back and 
hopefully he's mentally there to uh to handle that and i think he is all right all right i think it's everything from the coordinators anything from the players this week can he pick it spoke i don't want to spend a lot of time on this because i think the story's been talked about as much as it can be talked about but george pickens did speak with the media on wednesday he didn't say much he talked about he wasn't frustrated the social media stuff had nothing to do with the game, nothing related to football. I don't believe that for a second, but I'm okay with everything that he said because it didn't make it a story. There's no headline to come out of it. There was no revival of this story, generally speaking. And so I don't really believe his answers. I'm good with it. I'm ready to squash this story and get to Sunday's game. I think the biggest thing is him speaking on Wednesday and getting that out of the way. You know, yeah. uh, we, we could sit here and dive into I mean, what he said, what he didn't say, but at this point, you know, they're ready. Yeah. The big thing is, can they move past this now? Uh, and once again, I, I think it's key that they got him out there. Uh, and I don't know if that was de- by design. Maybe it was young player. Let's, let's get this addressed early in the week so we can start focusing on the Packers here. And the best thing that he can do uh, right now, because look, Merrill Hodge blasted him too, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, on, on DVE, what was that Thursday? I think Wednesday or Thursday morning, one, one of the two there. Uh, so, you know, there's a, there's enough, you know, negative out there, uh, uh, concerning him since this last game, the best thing that he can do is go out against the Packers and, and have a strong game. And if he does, then all the focus will be on him playing a large part in, 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 in beating the Packers. Do you think Pittsburgh's game plan is going to be one of those, let's get Pickens the ball early and often to try to get him involved? Do you think there's going to be a special effort made for that? You know, I wouldn't force it, but I would tell you this, as part of the scripting, if things line up right, I Mm -hmm. wouldn't mind giving him a quick uh, wide receiver screen on the first play of the game uh, to, to get the ball in his hands and get him moving. So uh, I'm not, I'm not obviously going to try to force something that's not there, but no, could, could, could you put a couple of RPOs in, in, in the first 15 and him uh, run one of the, you know, some sort of a wide receiver screen in that or an end around or something like that just to get the ball uh, in his hands early? I, I don't think that would be a bad idea just to get his mind, get, get him entrenched in the game early. Yeah, I think they're going to do something early, and I think they're going to try to get him involved with a real clear effort. As you said, you can't force it. You're not going to risk the the victory just to get Pickens a couple of touches. but I think the first favorable matchup that Kenny Pickett gets where you're getting single high, you're getting cover one, you know, man coverage type stuff. You're going to see the back shoulder throw or the deep ball to George Pickens to let him try to make a play as early as possible. And look, guy, you know, once again, you know, depending on what happens with this Packers secondary and the way they play things, they're, they're, there's probably going to be a few opportunities for some back shoulder stuff in this game and, and some out routes. And then maybe occasional, if you get those corners up to take some deep shots in there. So I would expect uh, George Pickens to come out of this game with the, you know, six or six or more targets. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's a, that's a pretty safe bet there and hopefully he can be productive with them. Uh, just one other quick thing to mention here that, that just came across on uh, the Friday morning here, Dave, according to Jerry Dulac has a little bit of color and commentary on Chakuma core for, and I've not read the entire thing, but apparently a core fours uh, issue. And, and the reason for his benching was uh, him expressing dissatisfaction with the same plays, uh, same running plays being ran against Jacksonville. And that's apparently the reason why, uh, a core four was upset in the reason why he got benched. 
well, whatever the reason was, uh, he <laughs> it's gonna, it's going to take something for him to get back in there. Probably an injury at this point because mm-hmm. it, it it does feel like the uh, toothpaste is finally out of the tube, as we like to say here. And you know, barring barring an injury, and and with Dan Moore, you know, primarily best suited to play the left uh, tackle spot. Uh, we might not see, we might see a core four come in for some tackle eligible type stuff, you know? Yeah. We saw uh, that one snap, I think against Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, but, but other than that, uh, he's going to have to bide his time for whatever he did or didn't say or do. Just to read the uh, quote here from Dulac quote, a core four was upset. The offense was using the same plays despite trailing the entire game, including seven to 17 to three in the third quarter. It is unclear to whom a core four directly Vented his anger and what else might have been said or done. End quote. So if the uh, if the bar to getting benched is being upset about the same plays, every Steelers fan I think would be benched for yelling at their television for uh, half the season. Yep. All right, Dave. I think that probably covers the coordinators, the coaches, and the players pretty well. Let's take a pause and come back with a Packers beat writer who's been covering the beat for Green Bay for a long, long time. That is Tom. Silver Stein. He works for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Also has a podcast, Green 19 podcast, and has an X's and O's series with Roy Butler that he'll talk about. So we'll come back uh, in a moment and talk with Tom. And welcome back to the Terrible Podcast. As usual for the Friday shows, we have on uh, a beat writer who covers the opposition. And this week's opposition for the Pittsburgh Steelers is the Green Bay Packers. And it's been a little while since we've had him on. Uh, Obviously, the Steelers and the Packers don't meet very often, but they did a couple years ago. And when that happened, we had Tom Silverstein on. Tom covers the Packers and has for a long time. uh, at, for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and you can read his work online at jsonline.com. And you should already be following Tom on Twitter slash X. If not, you can find him at Tom Silverstein, and that's S-I-L-V-E-R-S-T-E-I-N. So with that, Tom, welcome back to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. Thanks. You promote me better than my own paper does, you know? <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, yeah. Look, we try. Look, we're, we're real gracious of your time, and you were absolutely fantastic last time we had you on a couple years ago. And obviously, a lot lot has changed uh, since then for the Packers. Aaron Rodgers, obviously, uh, out the door and over to the New York Jets now. And uh, Jordan Love is now at quarterback uh, obviously he was on the roster I think back then when last time we talked to you so let's start with uh, Jordan Love uh, Tom and you know him and him and Kenny Pickett really Kenny Pickett has has more games I think underneath his belt right now than Jordan Love does by a couple and all but obviously you've gotten a long look at at Jordan Love and, and have, have covered him for all this time what are your overarching thoughts? I, I usually like to say you get a good read on a quarterback after about 20 games or so if he makes it that long uh, starting out here. And Jordan Love obviously coming up on that number. But what's your overarching thoughts on Love right now? Is he ahead of where you thought maybe he would be? Is he behind? Uh, what's the 411 on him? Yeah, I think he's a little um, behind where I thought he would be, mainly because he he's different than – you know, Kenny Pickett is in his second year. Jordan Love is in his um, fourth year, you know. So 
he he should be farther ahead than he is. He sat behind Aaron Rodgers. He learned from him. Now he came from a system that wasn't very NFL friendly. And he played on a really bad team his senior year, but he's he's just not quite put it together yet. And the thing is, you can see he has the arm talent. You can see he has um, the personality, the um, you know just calm calmness about him that um, he's not bothered by a lot of things. He's, he's a good athlete. He's not great athlete, but he's a good one. And he has a really good arm, but he's just, just been kind of off on everything. And you keep waiting, you know, you keep waiting. Okay. When is he going to be a little bit more accurate? When he's going to, when is he going to start hitting these deep balls that he keeps missing on? And so far through eight games, he hasn't. Uh, you look at overall, especially these last two games, it sticks out on the all 22. And and if you go look uh, and, and research, I think throughout the whole year, they're running a lot of RPOs uh, for him. Uh, is that something that you kind of expected? Is it something to kind of just uh, make his decision making uh, quicker there? Uh, you know, because you're right. I mean, him and Kenny Pickett, both the accuracy right now, uh, completion percentage, both those two are, 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 are way down in, in, in the league where it comes to accuracy and all. And then, uh, obviously, as you mentioned, Jordan Love not hitting a high percentage of the deep balls. Uh, is RPO – why do you reckon they're using so many RPOs? Well, I'm not sure that they are. I think that what they're doing is giving him two options. You know, he can he can can a play or he can carry it out. And it's very different than what they were doing with Aaron Rodgers, where, you know, Aaron Rodgers could – call a play from 2011 if he wanted you know he his his receivers you know usually he knew his receivers knew these plays that he had run before especially with Devonte adams and randall cobb who are both gone now um i i think they've kind of had the wraps on jordan love and i think they're gonna have to sort of give him a little bit more ownership of the offense um because he's you know, he's going through his progressions. He's holding the ball. He's not really um, going to his checkdowns enough. And they have to figure out a way where they can get him in the best play possible. And I think that's been part of the issue is that um, he, he's, you know, sometimes he's just thrown into cover two all day. And, um they're having trouble getting the ball down the field and, and making some really big plays. Now it really helps when they have Aaron Jones Aaron Jones was hurt and Aaron Jones is the heart of their offense. So, and they've played a little bit better since he's been back, but um, there's still a lot of things just missing. But before I turn this over over to Alex for a couple of questions, I, I've I've followed you a long time, and, and you've obviously co covered this team for a long time. So I'm going to ask a a pretty blunt question. I think you'll give me you know uh, the you know a direct answer here. If given your choice right now with what you know about Kenny Pickett and what you what you've seen out of out of Jordan Love, if you had to pick one of those two quarterbacks to move forward with uh, for the next let's say two years, which 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 one would you choose, Tom? Um, well, I would choose love on potential, but what I like about Pickett is, um, him in the fourth quarter. And that's, that's what Jordan love has been missing is 
he he starts to make some comebacks and things like that, but he, he's a late starter, but he hasn't finished. They've been in a bunch of games and, you know, he's had the ball with a chance to win it and has only done it once. So, you know, it's kind of, I, I always lean towards, you know, like athleticism and big arm, you know, like you can, mm-hmm. you can do something with that. Um, but I also, you know, I think there's something when a guy can win with, you know, fourth quarter play, I think that's pretty important too. So I'm kind of dodging your question because I don't really know. <laughs> I don't feel like I know enough um, about Pickett, but I don't feel like I know enough about love either. Uh, fair enough. It's an artful dodge, Tom. We we respect it. Uh, my my big impression with this Packers offense is how young they are. It's kind of like Pittsburgh last year. All these receivers, skill guys, they're 24 years older, younger. Who are the leaders for this offense? I'm sure Love has a component to that. I know David Bakhtiari's there, but he's been hurt so much. Who who are the leaders for this Packers offense right now? Really, it's just Aaron Jones. <clears throat> I mean, he is he is the guy. So um of their wide receivers, Christian Watson and um Romeo Dobbs are in their second year. Everybody else is a rookie. Mm-hmm. Um, of their tight ends, Josiah DeGuara, he's more like a fullback. And the other three tight ends are all rookies. Mm. Um, their left tackle currently is a second-year guy. Their right tackle is a second-year guy. Uh, the interior of the of the offensive line is a little more veteran, but it's not like having, you know, a guy like Bakhtiari, who was a, you know, 10-year guy. And he he's... He he only played one game. He played the first game, and then he's been done, and he's done for the season. So they've they've greatly missed him, and and I honestly think they'd be a heck of a lot better team with him because Love would have been protected a lot better. They could have slid all their, you know, with Bakhtiari, you can just say, hey, go take so and so, and then the rest of the guys can um, do whatever they have to do with the other three rushers or four rushers. So, um, Aaron Jones is, is the heart and soul of the team and they seem to go as he goes, but he's also been banged up and injured his hamstring in the first game. And just now, I think last week was the first time he was a hundred percent and he'll be, should be a hundred percent going into this game. And I, I look for them to use him a lot. I want to ask you about the offensive line, two guys in particular, Elton Jenkins and Zach Tom. Those guys have moved around a bunch. I think Jake Jenkins has played all five spots in his career. I think he settled in at left guard this year. But what has allowed those guys to be able to move around seemingly so seamlessly? I know injuries have kind of forced their hand, but just talk about Jenkins and Tom being able to kind of be some chess pieces over their careers. Yeah, they're similar guys. So both guys coming in, a lot of scouts, um, pegged them as centers. Um, Elton Jenkins had played center um, at Mississippi State and some guard. Tom had played center and some left tackle. And, you know, the Packers got him in. And Jenkins, I mean, he from the start, he was, you could tell that he was a special talent. Um, and they used him everywhere. And then he tore his ACL. And so last year was a little bit of coming back from that. And this year he tore his MCL and he's a really fast 
healer, but he's not quite back to, I would say, 100% yet. Um, but when he, you know, when he and Bakhtiari were there, they, they were a force on the left side. They didn't have to worry about much on the left side. And that's changed. So um, I, I would say Tom is it at right tackle because um, Josh Myers is their center and he's a second round pick and he's starting to play like they thought he would. He had been kind of up and down. So Tom is really in a spot that's open. And I would guess that at some point they'll draft a right tackle and maybe move him inside because he's not the biggest guy. And Mm -hmm. um, he's very mobile. So I could see them moving him inside next year, maybe when um, Runyon leaves and off in uh, free agency. Uh, Tom, before we get uh, talking about defensive side of football, kind of a lengthy uh, injury report for the uh, Packers this week and kind of headlining that is Jair Alexander. And I heard uh, Matt LaFleur uh, talk about him today. It doesn't doesn't sound great for for Jair uh, this weekend. Uh, We also uh, 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 saw last week Kenny Clark. Uh, fine, you know, defensive lineman of theirs uh, get carted off. Uh, but I think he talked to the media today. I don't know the status on him. Who, who's who's looking like they're going to miss this game? And I know it's still uh, early here, but uh, looking into your crystal ball, who looks like they might not go this week? I, I would say Jared Alexander's at the top of the list. Um, I, I was surprised about that because he played through the entire game and had probably his best game of the year. And uh, and then all of a sudden we find out he's got a shoulder injury, which was a problem for him two years ago. And he missed a big chunk of the season because of a separated shoulder. I don't know if it's that bad, but he hasn't been able to practice. And I, I would expect he's out. I would also expect that Quay Walker, their inside linebacker, one of their really up and coming um, defensive players. I mean, really good athletic player, um, he's probably not going to play. Um, I would guess that Yash Nyman, who has been kind of might start at left tackle, and John Runyon, they both return to practice today, so I think they'll probably play. I don't think Josh Myers' injury was all that serious. Um, I, I think I think Alexander and Walker are the two guys that are most likely to miss the game all right so you you think kenny clark should be good to go then kenny clark oh yeah i'm sorry i forgot about kenny clark yeah he should be good um he practiced i think he may have to wear a harness or something on his shoulder but um he's he's pretty tough guy and i expect him to play uh two young guys on that defense uh kind you know we we you know because of the steelers needs and all we obviously looked at them quite a bit the steelers had a lot of interest it seemed like in call carl brooks uh out of out of bowling green and uh you know he sticks out on tape boy he's batting down a lot of passes he looks uh, as advertised and lucas van ness is another one that was kind of a tweener and you're wondering is this guy going to be an edge is he going to be an interior lineman but it looks like they're using him on like some early down type situations. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they're bringing in uh, Rashawn Gary, uh, not playing a full complement of snaps, but he's definitely out there when, when it's time to rush the passer. Uh, you know, talk about Carl Brooks and, and, and Lucas Van Ness and, 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 and their progression so far. Yeah. Brooks, Brooks has been kind of a marvel. Um, he, 
you know, they, they drafted him because they knew he was a pass rusher, got him in the fourth round. And they didn't necessarily know um, how he would play the run, but they just felt like he was a guy who, who could get after the quarterback. And that's been true. He's, he's one of their leaders in pressures. Um, he's, he's an up the field guy and he's pretty, um, turned out to be a little better against the run than they, than they thought he was. Um, they typically will go with, um, Kenny Clark in their nickel. They'll go with Kenny Clark and TJ Slayton on early downs. And Slayton has been, um, really an emerging guy for them. Big, strong 330 pound guy who can, who's terrific athlete. He, um, they use him on, um, field goal block because he can jump so high. Um, those two guys. And then they have Devonte Wyatt, the uh, um, first round pick from last year from Georgia. And then they have Van Ness. And yeah, what they've decided is that they want to save, you know, Rashawn Gary's coming off a ACL from last year and they want to save him for pass rushing. And he's, he's back to himself as a pass rusher, but they don't want to wear him out on early down. So they've been using Van Ness and Kingsley and Ekbari. Um, they kind of rotate them, those two, and take Preston Smith and Gary out. But Gary will always be in on passing downs, and he's their big threat. Um, I would say Van Ness is still learning how to pass rush. That's a big part of it. He's a hustle guy. You know, he'll he'll just get after it, but he's not real slick with his moves. And um, he's been pretty decent against the run. Another young guy before I turned over to Alex that, that I scouted quite a bit because I, I, I thought the Steelers, they did have interest in him, I think, to some degree. Uh, Anthony Johnson, uh, the kid out of Iowa, St- Iowa State, and finally saw him on the field, I think, due to injuries and playing mostly free safety uh, for the for the Packers against the Rams there. Uh, is he expected to continue that role this week uh, against the Steelers? And, and, and what has Anthony Johnson shown you? Uh, so, you know, their, their safety position wasn't that great going into this year and then they've had injuries. So Darnell Savage, their veteran guy, um, is on another, the, uh, another guy we like, <laughs> <laughs> we, we knew the Steelers liked, uh, liked him coming out. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, he's been a big disappointment really. Uh, he was not, not been the playmaker they had hoped and he was benched last year, but. Um, he was having a better year this year. He's kind of just a little bit got his game together and then he got, he's been hurt, hurt his calf. Um, so Anthony Johnson came in last week and started because Rudy Ford, their other safety got hurt and, and he was pretty, pretty solid, but they also, um, really kind of dumbed down his assignments knowing he was a rookie and that they didn't. You know, they didn't like float the safeties back and forth and make, you know, the Rams try to guess who was going to be up and who wasn't. Uh, Jonathan Owens would come up in the box and Anthony Johnson would stay back. And it it worked out fine. He didn't, there was nothing wrong with what he did. He had an interception that Jair Alexander really um, uh, caused. But uh, he's a promising young guy. I just don't know. I kind of got the feeling from Joe Barry today that they're going to go back to Rudy Ford and Jonathan Owens just for the experience factor. But, you know, we were talking about it on our pot- podcast and we were in agreement that they, 
they ought to just go with Anthony Johnson. I mean, you know, what, what are they trying to accomplish this year? Um, they're not going to the playoffs. They're not going to the Super Bowl. They might as well keep working on some of these young guys. At cornerback, Tom, if Alexander does not play, who are going to be their outside corners? <laughs> Valentine seems to be. Is Rochelle going to have to step in? I kind of get this from my point of view at Josh Dobbs. Who are these guys learning names on the fly situation? What's the Packers cornerback situation looking like? Yeah, it's going to be CV and CB, they call them. <laughs> so Harrington Valentine is a seventh round pick that they really like. And then Corey Valentine who is a guy they've just kind of worked through uh, undrafted free agency in the practice squad. And, and he, you know, he's an okay player, but he's not Jair. He's not Rasul Douglas, who they just traded away to. Yeah. I, it's, I mean, if I'm George Pickens and Deontay Johnson, I'm, I'm licking my chops um, going into this game. I mean, two really young players. Valentine was the surprise of training camp. And, um, he, you know, when Alexander kind of came back um, and, and started playing regularly, and then they had Douglas and they have Keyshawn Nixon in the slot, he didn't really play much. Then Alexander got hurt. He played against Denver, and um, Cortland Sutton just ate him up, just really destroyed him. Um, and then he came back this last game, and it was like he had really learned a lesson uh, on that. Like he bounced back. He was way more aggressive. They put him on cup. You know, if cup lined up in front of him, they didn't move Jair Alexander over there. They just kept him in the same spot. He broke up three passes. He's really fast, has really long arms. I expect the Steelers are going to try to double move him some because he, he really played aggressively against the Rams. And if he tries to do that, uh, I, I'm sure you know, they will, they will work him, but, um, he can. We lost you, Tom. Can you hear me now? Oh, uh, we got you. Yep. Got you back. I don't know what ha happened. It said, uh, that I was muted. Okay. Anyway. Um, um, I guess I was just talking about Valentine, you know, he's got really long arms, really fast. And so we'll see how aggressive he plays, um, against those guys. Sure, and I can expect Pittsburgh to target the outside. Johnson Pickens, are, that's where the passing offense flows through. A couple more questions for you, Tom, then I'll let Dave finish things out. Joe, uh, Joe Barry seems to get a lot of criticism, the D coordinator for Green Bay. I believe him and Matt Canada have the honor and the privilege of having fans create petitions to fire them. What is the chief concern <laughs> with Barry, and how valid is their frustration? It's funny you mentioned that, because uh, on the podcast, we were like, you know, who's going to be the first to be, um, you know, demanded to be fired in this game, <laughs> you know, and, and like, you know, these guys, um, are going to have like a, uh, get fired battle on Twitter. <laughs> Both trending, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Barry's, um, Barry's problem has been, so he, he's, he's tried to incorporate, um, the defense that Brandon Staley brought to the Rams. So it's it's a very good defense when it's played right and played by the right players. And it's it's an offshoot of Vic Fangio's defense. But um, I don't think he has the play, you know, the the um, 
he he has trouble calling the right plays for the right teams. And I think he sometimes tries to peg players into the system instead of changing the system for the players. And I think that's been the biggest criticism that, and they, they haven't been able to stop the run. Um, they are a team built for stopping the deep ball. They don't give up deep balls very often, but they've had a lot of trouble stopping the run and they shouldn't, you know, with, with the linebackers they have and the defensive linemen, they've done better this year. Um, he started to play more eight men in the box, which was something he almost never did. And he's blitzing a little more. So they've been a little better, but you know, I mean, they just, they just played, you know, a guy who got cut the next day after the game, you know? So, um, I, they haven't faced a lot of good quarterbacks and I, I would be, I'll be interested to see how, um, they go after Pickett and what they do. If they just sit back and, and dare him to throw it, or if they actually bring some heat on them. My last question for you, Tom, then Dave will finish things out. Give me a good mm-hmm. Rich Bisaccia story. You have anything good to scratch my special teams itch over here? <laughs> <laughs> he he is an interesting dude. Um, it's It's been kind of a pleasure to to cover him. He's kind of an ornery dude, you know, and um, but he's got a lot of experience and he and Mike Tomlin were um, very close from their days in Tampa. Um, and I, I think he, he's um, the thing, the thing I like about him is that he's like no nonsense. And so he continually has this battle with Keyshawn Nixon, who's their kick returner. And he was an all pro last year. The first time the Packers have ever had a kick returner be an all pro, but he has this knack for returning balls that are kicked nine yards deep in the end zone. And it just drives Bisaccia nuts. And (laughs) they kind of had this back and forth and um, they're really excited about November because now, now all the kickoffs are going out of the end zone. So that's something to watch um, on Sunday is, you know, how do the Steelers handle Keyshawn Nixon? Can they kick it out of the end zone? Or if they can't, you know, what is their plan? Because he's really explosive on kickoff returns. I, I don't watch, obviously, a lot of Packer press conferences, but I've been following the Matt LaFleur and, and, and the coordinator ones and, you know, all those ones this week. And uh, I don't remember Matt LaFleur being so standoffish or, uh, I, I think I was telling Alex about that. He just uh, has some, I, have you picked, I mean, you've obviously followed him the whole time here. It, it, has his demeanor changed any since the last time these two teams squared off? Uh, and is, is he on the hot seat, Tom? Well, I don't know if you watched today. I did watch, um, I did watch today. Yeah. It, it turned out I was wondering about it too. So I went and asked the PR guy. I'm like, was he really mad at something? And he's like, no, he's sick. Oh, and okay. he was like in a really bad mood about being sick. So, um, cause I wondered the same thing. I mean, that wasn't, he's been a lot better than that, um, okay. than he was today. But I would say, you know, I think, I think he thought the season would be better. And, you know, I think there was some thought around here though no one will 
say it publicly that, you know, they were glad that they didn't have to do things, everything Aaron Rodgers wanted to do. I mean, he ran this place. And I think they felt like, okay, now we're going to really use our system and, and succeed. And it's been a flop. You know, the offense is not supposed to be the weak point of this team. You got an offensive coach. That's what he's brought in for. And so I think that's been really frustrating. And um, if they don't do something, you know, if they don't find some kind of a groove towards the end of the year, I, I don't think Lafleur's in trouble, but I think he's going to be forced to make some changes on a staff. That's for sure. All right. Uh, I don't know if you do predictions or not, Tom. I can't remember. I, I know it's, this won't air until Friday uh, afternoon, obviously. Yeah. Uh, if you want to throw out a prediction, I don't know, something like five to four in this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the under on that. Hey, uh, hey, I, I have covered, let's see, what would have been some scores? 1917, I think it was. Um, 20 to three. Um, I mean, just some. Brutal games. I mean, the the um, Denver game was brutal. The um, Saints game was brutal. The Raiders game. It, it's it's just it's hard football to watch. Um, I was really leaning. I told people on our podcast. I'm like, I'm really close to picking a, a Steelers blowout. Uh, I I just don't have a lot of faith that these guys are going to come into Pittsburgh and. You know, regardless of how Pittsburgh's playing offense, I, I just don't see them moving the ball much against the defense. Good luck blocking T.J. Watt, you know, and, right. and Singleton looks like he's playing really well. And I've always liked um, Keanu Benton, you know, which he was up here at Wisconsin. Right. right. And, and I mean, they seem to have a lot of Wisconsin guys yeah, there. Herbert, too, right? Yeah. Um. I just I don't have a lot of faith in their offense, and and I kind of think Pittsburgh will wear them down and probably win pretty big. All right, tell people what you got going on over at JS Online, Tom. Yeah, so we we have a podcast called the Green Nineteen Podcast. That's um, the name is um, based on how Aaron Rodgers used to say Green Nineteen before, and they still do that before every snap. Um, we also, I also do a video series that'll be out tomorrow with former Packers, um, Hall of Fame safety, Leroy Butler. And we, um, break down, do an X's and O's segment. And we'll probably, I'll probably have him look at a couple of Steelers plays. So that would be, you might want to check in on that. It's called, um, X's and O's with Leroy Butler. And it's a video series on JS online. So, um, People may want to tune into that. All right, great. And we'll put all this uh, links to uh, your Twitter and and the website uh, in the podcast post and all. And uh, Tom, uh, we certainly, uh, you know, uh, we don't know the next time. It might be four years, I guess. You'll, I don't know if you're still, you put in a lot of time over there. So I don't hey. know if you, you, you'll still be there. But if you are, you're, you're more than welcome to come back on the show because you're, you're a joy to talk to and appreciate uh, all the years of uh, knowledge that you have of the hey. team. Well, 13 years ago, they were in the Super Bowl. Who knows? Yeah. It could repeat itself this year. You know, you never know. It's a crazy league. I'm just kidding. But. <laughs> uh, well, Tom, once again, thanks for joining uh, Dave and Alex on the Terrible Podcast. You're very welcome. It was a pleasure.
And welcome back to the Terrible Podcast. And again, our special thanks to Tom Silverstein. You can follow him on Twitter. I forgot to plug his Twitter before the uh, interview there. You can follow him at Tom Silverstein. That's Silver, S-T-E-I-N. He covers the Packers and Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Check out the podcast, the Green 19 podcast. Dave, should we change our podcast name to the Blue 80 podcast, <laughs> I guess? is that? I think we have to do that now. Uh, I tell you, anytime uh, there's that meme that runs around mm-hmm. uh, uh, with him uh, that asks, did you, uh, with the Blue 80, and, 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 and when you read it, did you read it in Ben's voice? And yes, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. you can't see the word Blue 80 and not uh, in a meme or in a, in a quote and, and, and not not hear Ben Roethlisberger saying that along with the dilly dilly, you know, right, right. Uh, against the Titans uh, several years ago. So what, what we ever find out what blue 80 actually meant because it was just used all the time. It, it couldn't have been, was it almost just a, a crutch? Was that, was that just go on next sound? I wonder what that actually meant. I didn't, he didn't, he describe that one time. Did he? You know, he may have. I've done this so long now that some things you don't file away. Uh, because it's just one of those things where, like, because it was so used on almost every cadence that you, you know, it couldn't have meant something huge because defense defenses would pick up on it unless there was some dummy calls or something with it. But I, I don't know if I ever actually found out what Blue Eighty meant or if it meant something different at different times or again dummy calls. I just don't know the uh, the story there. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to go back and look on the site and, and do a search. I, I I can't remember. I thought he addressed it at one time. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Oh, you know, we, uh, sh- something I should have mentioned coming out of the Titans game, and, and I saw this get picked up on a couple of websites from the tweet that you had, but there was that play call the Steelers called in that Titans game that you could hear the actual call and kind of the background. It got picked up by the Amazon mics, and that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Look, it's kind I, of look, hard to hear I, the I, call, though. Right. We're, and I understand maybe why they don't do it, but I've said in the past, man, I, I would like a whole game of the boom mic out there and and hear some of the conversations that go on. Okay, you know, there there have been some funny ones over the years with Roethlisberger and Pouncey and for Fernando uh, uh, Velasco. Velasco, uh, gotta go, Nando, gotta go. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I some of those conversations I, I are better good. I, I would I would pay for a full uh, game audio. Of nothing but the boom mic to hear what what goes mm-hmm. on, uh, you know, pre snap, post snap, during snap, whatever. My favorite ever kind of hot mic moment, and I'm going to censor myself here, but people who know know, and those who don't can look it up. Uh, the time that Peyton Manning was very upset at Donald Brown for missing a pass protection. You ever see that clip before off the snap, Dave? He was with the Colts. I believe so. Okay, yeah, very upset. I'll, I'll put it that way. But that's my favorite ever. Just uh, kind of funny. <laughs> Funny moment in the middle of a play there from Peyton Manning. All, All right. right. I'll, and, uh, say- and shout out to Tom again as, yes. as, as well, too, taking time because uh, obviously he's got to cover the Steelers this week and, and get on the road and, and go to Pittsburgh to cover a game. And you talk about a veteran guy that's done this for a long time. He's he's really been cordial. It's not like we talk to him a- a- every season, but uh, uh fun guy to talk to. Yeah, uh, great information there. So, again, be sure to follow him on Twitter, Tom. Silverstein and uh, check out his work at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. All right, Dave, let's you and I predict and preview this game. We'll do a prediction later, but previewing this game right now. Let's start with the Packers offense. And as I mentioned to Tom, my, my biggest overall takeaway of Green Bay is just how youthful they are. There are not a lot of veterans on this offense. He mentioned Aaron Jones, but the skill guys in terms of the receivers, the tight ends, 
first year guys, second year guys. You know, Jordan Love is older, but his first full year starting. I think you're kind of seeing some of the growing pains from this offense because they just are a really young type of unit. Yeah, uh, really rebuilt now post Aaron Rodgers, and obviously you don't have that veteran tackle of theirs. In uh, yep, I got you. you. Still hearing me? Okay. Okay. Says low low uh, resources here. Uh, obviously, you know, rebuilt this thing. You got a lot of young players, as you mentioned there, especially in the receiving core. Christian Watson, a guy that we look all, all three of these wide receivers. We we you know, scouted heavily on the site and all during their pre-draft processes there. Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs out of Nevada, uh, out of Nevada, uh, Jaden Reed out of what, Michigan State. Uh, so, you know, feel like you know those guys fairly well just coming out, at, you know, uh, uh, not too far removed from college. Uh, but not having a veteran guy like David Bacchieri uh, at, at tackle has has forced him to do some things there. You got a guy in Zach Tom, who I think's played pretty well overall at the right tackle position from the little that I've watched there. John Runyon. I like John Runyon coming out of <laughs> out, out, out of college. I, I really did. But I don't think he's playing as well as maybe I thought maybe he would at the uh, NFL level, at least not in the couple of games uh, that, that I watched there. They've had some uh, shifting there uh, at, at, at left guard between who is it? Sean Ryan and, 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 and El- Elkton Jenkins is going to mm-hmm. be, uh, well, I think Jenkins is probably going to start over there. And then just this last week, they had a little injury there with Josh uh, Neiman uh, and who had to come in for, for him. Was it Rashid Walker? I believe so. Yeah. The second year made out of Penn state. Right. So, uh, you know, and you know, the only thing they've got going for them really is a couple of veteran running backs there in, in, in Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. And obviously Jordan loves been around a little while, but you know, he hasn't started. He's, he's what started few, a few fewer games than Kenny Pickett has at, at this point. There's, so they're still trying to learn about him. It was a great question that you asked about who's the, who's the leader on this offense right now, because uh, I mean, it is obviously Jordan loves team, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Aaron Joe, even, even their tight ends have some youth, you took yeah. it. it, it tight end. Yeah, it feels like they're still trying to find their way. And look, mm-hmm. you look at it at them on tape and, you know, you see some of the growing pains that the Steelers have gone through here uh, overall, especially with them trying to get more consistent and find out what 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 their identity uh, is overall. And they haven't had Aaron Jones for some time uh, because of injury. They 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 Christian Watson's missed, I think, a little bit of time in there as well, too. So this is an offense right now at the, at the middle point of the 2023 season that, you know, they've got some pieces back now, but you're, they're 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 trying to figure out who they are, what they're trying to accomplish uh, identity-wise. They haven't been able to push the football uh, down the field uh, deep, not without trying. Uh, Jordan Love is, is taking quite a few uh, deep shots uh, so far this season. His, his completion percentage overall, though, hasn't been great uh, in other throws of his him and Kenny Pickett's completion percentage ranked down there at the bottom of the league right now. Uh, mm-hmm. And 
you know, that's that's obviously a bit concerning when you're talking about a young quarter quarterback at this point here. Uh, it doesn't when you look at the passing charts overall, especially in the last four games when it comes to Jordan Love, not a lot of action going on in the middle of the field, especially between, say, the six and what, 15 yard area there. A lot of stuff spread out to the side of the field as much as what you w- w- would see in a uh, Kenny Pickett uh, passing chart. Uh, they're, they're not afraid to use their, they run a lot of RPOs, man, uh, mm-hmm. or, or at least in the, uh, I, I think overall, and specifically in the last two games, what did I tell you that they uh, have run here? You said 25 RPOs. Yeah. I think I saw a lot against the Rams. I saw fewer against Minnesota, but, but still, or maybe I had that backwards. I saw a lot against the Vikings. I saw fewer against the Rams, but still yeah. some. Yeah, uh, and, and I think you got it right. I think uh, a lot against the Rams, but but some against the Rams. I mean, a lot against the Vikings and, and a handful, uh, a, a little bit less against the Rams there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking at uh, some charting right now. 75 RPOs run through, what's her record? Right three and five, three eight okay, games. Okay, so they, they, they played eight games. Uh, 16%. Uh, total usage in that uh, the usage rank is eight overall. So it it slants more to heavier within that. Uh, So you're going to see some RPOs uh, for them. Mm -hmm. They have had some miscommunication problems. I think specifically you look at that. I think it was the second, second play from scrimmage against Minnesota. There was some, uh, uh, miscommunication on an RPO there and Jordan Love had to end up uh, uh, scrambling out with it and he ended up completing the ball down, uh, down the right sideline on that play but they had an ineligible man that's the thing about R- when mm-hmm. you know they, 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 it should be its own uh, reality TV series when RPOs go bad <laughs> uh, uh, and that's the thing about an RPO it's got to be timed up perfectly about what you're going to do because there's no time to hold the football because the offensive linemen are trying to get down the field but uh rest assured we're going to see some rpos out of this packer offense in this game it's just a matter of how much sure that happened to pittsburgh against tennessee on that first drive the receivers never looked for the ball they didn't realize it was there was a pass component to that play and they could got in trouble had to chuck it and they got called for an eligible man downfield so you kind of see some some parallels here for the offenses as pittsburgh was, was pretty rpo heavy against tennessee we'll see if that continues but yeah i think they want to have that college feel give love some options uh, uses mobility to some degree, some play action, kind of changing the launch point. He's been sacked a lot the last couple of games, but I think obviously they want to run the ball. That that's going to be their their mission. They got a couple of talented backs in Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon. Um, they even use both of them on the field at the same time occasionally for split back sets and pony looks and different types of jets and motions. And Jones is a pretty versatile type of dude. So that run game it's pretty varied. There's some inside zone. There's some Zorro toss. Um, outside zone they try to run a little bit yeah they mix it up so you know how do you handle the run game the different looks they're a heavier personnel team they're in a lot of 12 personnel a couple tight ends got an h back in there in Deguaya. so uh, i think just trying to handle that up front is going to be key to start things uh when you look at their usage of uh 12 personnel looks like 30 percent for the season that's uh ranked fourth overall so they they will, they will, and, and primarily you'll see the you know one of the tight ends line up in the backfield when they do use them, but they will put both on the uh, in, in, you know at the ends of the line of scrimmage or stack them uh, together within that. Uh, they sixty four percent zone run uh, uh, percentage, thirty three percent gap 
uh, run uh, percentage within there. Believe it or not, uh, their design rollout. What would you guess their design rollout percentage is? Um, I mean, some. I, I mean, just ten percent, maybe. Three percent. Mm, nine, nine, nine snaps. That that kind of. That kind of surprised me when you've got a guy as 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 mobile as Jordan Love is uh, there. So not not a lot of heavy usage so far when it comes to uh, uh, design uh, rollouts with him. Mm, that is interesting, but a guy that certainly can can make some plays with his legs and you know a lot of maybe out of structure, nothing there type of stuff. So you're always trying to you know adjusting your rush to to wanting to rush, wanting to get home. Love has been sacked quite a bit but also not letting him break contain and how much zone versus man do you play on third down. Those are all kind of things you have to think about right now. I tell you that Jaden Reed, uh, uh, Jaden, uh, uh, Reed, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jayden uh, Reed. Yeah. Uh, one thing that you see er- kind of early in that game against the Rams, there is some of that, uh, uh, quick, quick motion, uh, from him outside, but not with him, uh, or cheap motion. Uh, not with him going across the full formation. He'll start off the outside and then motion uh, at, at the snap of the football, be motioning more into the slot roll and then just running across the field. And they did that against the uh, against the Rams. Uh, and, and that's something that you could see something here, especially if the Steelers are going to play uh, a, a lot of zone in this, gets him on the move at the snap of the football. And Jordan Love hit him right in, uh, right in stride for a nice uh, gain when it comes to that. Uh, as far as their vertical concepts and all, they, they will try to uh, take Watson. They they will try to uh, really stress the middle of the field safety. I think, uh, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, their 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 deeper uh, uh, shot calls uh, in this game. So that might be something they they would love. Nothing. Yeah, you know, I'm a huge Romeo Dubs fan. You know, coming out of college and all, but he's not one that's got a lot of blazing speed. I think Christian uh, Watson does a better job of stretching vertically. But both those guys can can get deep and and I. I it, it does feel though that it, that they would predominantly, especially if they're going to throw between uh, the numbers down the middle of the field vertically, that Christian Watson is a the guy they would like to try to get the ball to. And I think, uh, as Tom pointed out to us, there have been some instances where where Love and I think their offensive coordinator was asked about this yesterday during his press conferences. Uh, they they would like to see Jordan get get that thing out in front of his receivers a little bit better. Yeah, Watson is their big play threat, their true height, weight, speed guy. That's what he was coming out of North Dakota, had that big rookie year. His dot this year is 17.2. That's average depth of target. That's fourth highest in the NFL. So he's obviously a vertical threat, just really have not been able to connect as much right. as they would like to. Obviously, as you transition from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. But yeah, they're they're, they're a young group, but they're athletic. Uh, Wicks and Reed are versatile. Musgrave was one of the top athletes in a loaded tight end class. He caught his first touchdown against the Rams. So I think they want to you know, have some more vertical concepts. They want to spread the defense out. They want to flood some zone concepts. As you said, they want to put some safeties in conflict. So uh, they've not been really a big play offense, but they do want to have the desire to be a big play offense in the passing game and try to really create some one-on-one matchups and utilize all the space that's afforded to them. Look, Romeo Dubs got five touchdowns already this season. Yeah, uh, and they got six. What is it? Six Packers have caught a touchdown pass this year. So I think Love is distributing the ball right. pretty well. It's just a young group that's trying to 
figure things out how to play in the NFL. Yeah, and and to come, uh, the accuracy issue with him has come into into play. Fifty nine point six percent completion percentage. While he does have twelve touchdown passes, he's got eight interceptions on top of it. Uh, there, so. Uh, uh, and look, he's mobile enough, too, that he's not a guy that you're probably going to want to play a lot of man against with your back back turned to him. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, they got off to a good start. They put up 38 on Chicago week one. And then since then, the offense has really calmed down. Love threw six touchdowns the first two games and he's thrown just six in the last, I guess, six games. So the offense has really kind of come back to earth after not playing a team like the Bears to start the season. Uh, their run game overall hasn't been bad. I forgot to look what their maybe their negative plays uh, are because uh, it feels like there's pro. It feels like they've had some instances where there's been a little bit of feast, but enough famine to kind of uh, ca- uh, counterbalance it uh, overall there. But they're averaging four yards a carry, and and look, they they've uh, 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 Jones obviously has missed some time. Dylan's their leading rusher, but the, both those guys are are guys that can get their their shoulders squared. Uh, in between the tackles and get yards after after first contact. So uh, if, if they're probably going to come out like you know several teams have against the Steelers this 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 year and and get Jordan Love ahead of the chains, where you can really mess this offense up, in my opinion, is get a guy like Love pressing in some second and long and third and long situations because he would have to hold the football a little bit longer, and that's when you can. Uh, but this is a tasty, you know, and I think Zach Thomas played well on tape, but, you know, uh, let, let's see him against what, you know, let's see both their tackles against a uh, high Smith and, 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 and what. Yeah. Especially if the backup Rashid Walker is out there on high Smith. I think he's, you know, I, I liked him coming out of Penn state. He's got some size. I think he's played reasonably well, but it was her advantages for the, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I, I, yeah, I think the overall idea is, like Tennessee, let's stop the run, force the quarterback to beat us in our place. You know, we're making some splash plays. He's not taking tremendous care of the football overall. That's going to be the MO, just broadly speaking, is make Jordan Love beat you. Yeah, and Love is experienced enough that if you if you keep him ahead of the ahead of the chains and and keep opposing defenses, get you know, much when you go back to that game against the the, the Texans, right? Uh, Jordan Love is experienced enough that that if you get him in in a lot more manageable situations that, you know, I think he can take advantage of it with that shorter passing game, but, uh, uh, keep a lid on this thing, stop the run on early downs, get in some second and third, uh, uh, down and, and, and distance longer distance situations. Uh, you know, I think you can, you might be able to get after him. He's sacked what 18 times so far this season. I believe so. I know he's been sacked eight times the last two games. So, there's been some pressure. I don't know if that's all on him or the line or receivers, probably a combination, but he's been sacked quite a bit lately. And look, their offense, I think, has had a few penalties as well, too. So go to the bathroom before this thing starts because <laughs> <laughs> it could make for a long first quarter with these teams. All right, Dave, let's flip over to the Packers defense. And again, injuries are going to kind of dictate a lot in this game. Alexander, Walker, Clark, etc. cetera. I-, I think it's a pretty good front seven. I think the there's questions in the secondary, especially without Alexander, presuming that he does not play. And so can Pittsburgh establish the run, but also can they take advantage of that weaker outside cornerback group that Green Bay appears to be having? 
Yeah, and I would like to test their edges too in the running game, especially with those uh, if, if those young young corners. Uh, uh, and it looks like they're probably going to play uh, quite a bit in this game. Uh, when you look at them defensively from a rush uh, standpoint, they can be run off of left guard. Uh, there, they are 29th in the league uh, on 23 rushes to left guard for 5.4 really anything to the left side uh uh and possibly even left in because does does did jair mostly play on the right side i think he did didn't he uh honestly i'm not yeah i'd have to look at some of the advanced numbers or, or metrics and pff i don't know exactly where he's been lining up i mean he's a very physical guy a guy not afraid to come out and, and help up help out in the run so uh this is a to me i think this is a and, and it'll be interesting to see kenny clark and what kind because kenny clark healthy is a is a wrecker i mean we we we, we talked about him ahead of that game a couple of years ago uh, i mean that 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 guy can wreck up front but if he's not a hundred percent and look, Carl Brooks, we, we know a lot about Carl Brooks, right, through the uh, pre-draft process. I think he's playing uh, really well. But I, I do believe that, you know, you can scheme this up against this defense of theirs and execute and, and get some yards on the ground. And one thing, I thought the Packers uh, website did a good job of breaking down uh, their usage of these TE stunts that they like to run. And at first you think, Oh, are they only running them on the right side, uh, with, with, with Brooks and, 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 and Van Noy, but you further, you get into the tape, they'll run them on both sides, uh, uh, uh of this defense there. And they'll, they'll run both. They'll run, uh, double TE stunts, uh, mm -hmm. in this thing. And they'll run them on early downs at that, uh, uh, to, to, to try to get some guys free to make some, some run stops. And they, they, they were able to get a couple of those against the Rams as well, too. So you have to be aware of them being willing to, to, to run, uh, these TE stunt twist at, on any given down, uh, with them. Uh, I Brooks really, I thought played well, at least in the section of game tape that I've watched, he gets his hands up well to bat down passes on top of it. Uh, and but with all that said, I and to bring in Rashad Gary, they've been trying to limit his snaps coming off of injury, as Tom told us. Uh, there he is. You don't want these guys to get in situations where they're pinning their ears back in the second and third uh, down uh, uh, and long situation there because Gary can still get after the quarterback uh, quite well overall. But uh, I do get a feel that if you get that. You know, if you attack and scheme this up right and execute right, that this team can be ran on. And then, you know, I talked about the pass pass defense with them earlier in the week. Man, if you don't have Jair, so smart, man, on that interception that Anthony Johnson had in that game against the uh, uh, the Rams, uh, he reads that perfectly and gets very good depth uh, in kind of that snag concept there. And and he gets a handle on that ball and that, you know, we know how tip balls are usually come down in the, uh, uh, opposition's hands. And that's what happened with, with, with Anthony Johnson in the pick in that game as well, too. So if they don't have Jair Alexander, that's, that's a huge loss in this defense for obvious reasons. Sure. Because it's not just about Alexander. I mean, it starts with him, but who do you replace him with? Your top corners are now a seventh round rookie in Carrington Valentine. And I think, uh, Valentine, as, as Tom talked about, it's the Valentine and, and Valentine group. And I think Robert Rochelle is the guy they talked about maybe having to elevate from the practice squad or having a guy that's going to have to play some 
snaps on defense. They got a good nickel corner in, uh, in Nixon. He's a great return man, but I think also fits to run well inside. But do they have the, the guys on the outside and Ford's coming off the injury and Savage is hurt? So that secondary is looking pretty shaky right now. So can you attack those outside corners? That has to be Pittsburgh's mission in this one. But to go back to the run game, yeah, like you said, Dave, they, they one gap, they slant, they penetrate, they run stunt, and they really try to, to create some chaos and mess with your blocking schemes and, and, and all that up front. So if you're Pittsburgh, do you try to run as much zone? Because on that zone track, if it gets disrupted by these stunts and, and these kind of loopers and crashers, it might be tough to, to handle on the fly. So I wonder if you do try to use a bit more of that power and man scheme in this game to simplify things. Sign me up for it. I like to see it. I think yeah. they, I think they, I think they match up well that that way specifically there. Yeah. Um, so I, I really want to see how Pittsburgh handles that up front because I know early in the season, their zone tracks were not, they weren't communicating well. They weren't climbing uh, well, they were on the same page and it was really, you know, creating some issues. It's been better as of late. So we'll just kind of see what approach Pittsburgh has in this one uh, overall. They they are a pretty heavy blitz team. I think as Tom talked about their DC, Joe Barry kind of has that Vic Fangio vibe. He wants to bring heat. He wants to bring pressure. Um, it's a lot of inside linebackers coming, the occasional DB as well, but uh, they, they're not going to, they're not always going to sit back in coverage, but when they do, you're going to see them do some funky stuff. They're going to drop eight. They're going to drop nine. I watched mm-hmm. them against, I think, Minnesota or Los Angeles. They dropped nine in the coverage. They rushed two. So you kind of get some occasional funky looking stuff on uh, third down. I know the safety situation makes this a little bit more complicated, but they do like to disguise and rotate safeties post snap. We'll see if they do that. If four comes back this week, maybe some more veteran guys that they trust to to do those kinds of things. But they do like to change the uh, post snap picture. It's a lot of single high, a lot of cover one, cover three but they're going to present some too high looks pre-snap. They do a good job too of uh, mugging up, uh, mugging up those a gaps too, and not tipping off. Sometimes you can kind of tell, is he coming? Is he not coming? <laughs> uh, you know, with, 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 with kind of their pre-snap uh, uh, movements at, at, at times, but I think they do a very good job of disguising that as well too. And they're, they're not afraid to send them when, when they mug them. Yeah. But I think, well, I think it's been tough to run on the outside, not having Quay Walker, who's a great sideline to sideline dude, is going to be a huge loss for them. I mean, it's going to, you know, Campbell's still a good player, but Walker's kind of the the dude inside linebacker. So if he's not available, that is, I think, a pretty substantial loss. Yeah, look, uh, Van Noy uh, is somebody I'd like to test to see if he can get off some of these blocks. Who's that? Uh, Van Ness? Van you Ness. Said Van Noy. Van okay, Ness. Van Ness. Yeah. You said he's more of an early down guy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then you said Gary's coming in because he's coming off the ACL last year. They just and, paid him a bunch of money. I don't know. I'm not sure what the uh, reason was to pay him 107 million dollars midseason, but but they did. Uh, they blitz 34 percent of the time, so they're they're not afraid to send numbers. Yeah, uh, again, that's kind of the the Joe Barry. But I, I wonder in this game, if you're down Alexander and you got these great outside receivers, I think you play a lot of too high because they do keep a lid on things. They don't allow the big play. I think if you're Green Bay, just me personally, you play too high. You know, don't don't allow Johnson and Pickens to win the game and trust your front to stop the run. I think if you're if you're Green Bay, that that's my mentality in this game, at least. Well, I mean, they haven't given up. That's one of the call. They haven't been a totality wise. They have not been a bad defense statistically, and a lot of that's related, obviously. I think to them not giving up the big play and getting a few uh, turnovers along the way, and then get getting themselves in 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 uh, leverage down a distant situation so they can get after the quarterback uh, uh, there. But uh, uh, yeah, I think they're going to once again try to, especially if they have to play these young corners, and you know there is some uncertainty of what they're 
going to do it at, at, at safety there. I think that I think they should put Anthony Johnson. I'm with Tom. I think they should put Anthony Johnson more on the field and see what they have in in him. But you have to feel like their their overall goal is to not let not get beat over the top with a guy like George Pickens. Make make the Steelers earn everything underneath. Uh, underneath and tackle the catch and, and don't give up the explosive play. The Steelers have had problems uh, creating explosive plays. Yeah, the Packers have only allowed 23 completions of 20-plus yards. That's 10th best in football. The longest reception they've allowed this year is 45 yards. That's second fewest or the second lowest amount of long reception allowed this year. The pass defense overall, the numbers do look impressive, but of course you move Alexander from that, it does begin changing the equation. Uh, they run a lot of zone coverage, nearly 70%. Yeah, and probably more, because I don't know if they're going to ask these corners to man up on uh, Johnson and Pickens and expect those guys to to win 1v1. If you see it, you see him pressed, you got to take your shots then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they do, their corners do have some size. Like Valentine, all those Kentucky corners are big and long and lanky, and so they're going to try to put hands on. But, you know, can Pickens stack and Johnson beat uh, press coverage with his release? That's going to be critical. Look, the way if 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 Deontay Johnson is Deontay Johnson, uh, there ought to be some space for him. I think in this game. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, did, I, did I have one other note here? I don't know if I had one or not to mention. Oh yeah, uh, the, the defensive line and the edges to kind of go off your point. Eleven pass deflections this year. Brooks has four. He had two in the last game, and so they get their hands up in throwing lanes. It's not just Brooks, but certainly him. Uh, so want to be careful. I think both defenses do a good job of getting hands up and throwing lanes. So watch out for that tip ball. You know what that the bounce up in the air becomes a pick that changes the game. So that's very much something to watch, especially with that quick game. And then back to the stunts again. They're going to stunt, and how the Steelers communicate and handle uh, uh, pick these up might, might be a key point in this as well too. Yeah, for sure. They do. Pittsburgh may want to run some weak side plays on this one because the Packers like the slant strong side. And if you can run a weak side and kind of get them away from the slant, I've seen that have some success. And so maybe you want to mix things up. Some tendency breakers don't always run to the strong side of the formation. All right. Also got to note their return game. Their return game is great. Nixon, one of the top return guys in football. I believe he leads the NFL in kickoff average at just under 26 yards. I know that uh, kickoffs have kind of gone the way of the dodo, but maybe some poor weather. Maybe that creates some more opportunities. I don't know exactly what's going to be like in Pittsburgh. This week, let's see what the Pittsburgh weather is going to be. It's going to be chilly. It's going to have that fall feel. It's going to be 52 degrees. Should be you know clear skies overall, but uh, just be careful of the return game because Packers have one of the better in football. All right. And Rich B- uh, Bashachi uh, talked yesterday about you, know, you get into the colder time of years and where kickoffs might tend to go more to the edge. And uh, interesting to hear him talk about you know, how you might see more fair catches and all on, on, on those things uh, further you get into winter. It doesn't sound like Nixon is the fair catch type of dude, though, from what <laughs> Tom said. He's a guy that wants to return every chance he gets, and he's got a good resume. He was an all-pro kick returner last year, so uh, he's got the, the the numbers to to back it up overall. But, yeah, I love that battle. My favorite battle of the week is Rich Passaccia versus Danny Smith, just two old-school, I think, Versace is from like Yonkers and Smith is just that Western PA Pittsburgh dude, just two salt of the earth guys been coaching since the seventies, eighties, just out there doing battle. I can't wait to see it, Dave. Haven't they blocked a couple of either like extra points or field goals this year too? That's a good question. Wouldn't shock me with Bisaccia. Um, I don't have the data on that off the top of my head. Um, it looks like Brooks, Car Brooks had a blocked one earlier this year. So they got at least maybe two. Yeah. Maybe one or two. I don't know. Yeah. That, that's a good point, Dave. 
Uh, so they've had a little bit of, uh, let me see if I can find some blocks real quick. I know uh, they have at least Yeah, they one. have they have two. Uh, uh, Josh Neiman has a block on special teams. Carl Brooks has a block on special teams. Yeah, is that their, that's not their tackle. Who's Josh Neiman? Is that their tackle? Yeah, I think so, isn't it? He blocked the punt or left tackle or blocked the punt, blocked the field goal? Uh, I got to look at that play. I mean, I, I I see it. I see the headline here, but I'm just trying to get my head around their left tackle blocking a field goal, which is incredible. And he I need blocked, to go see uh, he blocked the uh, 50 yarder from Carlson. It seems like he's on field goal rush team. All right. Well, I need to go watch this after this podcast because I want to see what the heck happened on that one. That's pretty cool. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I, I found the clip here. Okay. If you can send it. Yeah. yeah. Um, shoot. I don't, I'll definitely retweet that or something. <laughs> I mean, that last time you heard a left tackle getting a hand on a on a field goal. I haven't watched it. I just know that uh, he had talked about. I know it was a topic of conversation with him. I just sent it to you there. If you okay. Oh, I might get an ad here on the uh, Packers side. I don't know for sure how quickly it's going to play. I know this is not great uh, podcasting. Oh no, I see it coming up right now. So yeah, he's right over the a gap there. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Very cool. Fifty three yarder from Carlson. All right. So yeah, that's a great point by you. I think I think special teams. Packers, very, very good. Basachi's units have always been strong. So, Danny Smith, bring your A game. Yep, absolutely. All right, Dave, before we get to our predictions for Week 10 and for the Steelers-Packers game, let's hear from our friends over at my bookie before we make our picks. We are, what are we on the week here? We're both 1-0? Yeah, that I, I watched the last two minutes. I said, all right, I've seen enough. And uh, did you watch the whole game, Dave? I don't know. If yeah, I watched it before for- I before I tuned in the uh, the uh, the pins game last night, yeah, not not the most exciting game, but uh, we're both one and zero. So let's hear from our friends at my bookie, then make the rest of our picks. All right, all right, Alex. If you found a hundred dollar bill on the ground, you wouldn't walk past it. So why are you passing up on cashing winners every weekend? My bookie has the biggest online selection of odds and contests to fill all your sports betting needs anytime, anywhere, so you can turn that sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Bet on the NFL or play for a big or, or NHL or play for a share of big cash prizes in the weekly blackjack tournaments that they have. If you've been waiting for the right time to get in on the action, that time is now. Make your winning move today. Sign up at MyBookie at MyBookie.ag. Use promo code TERRIBLE and claim your deposit match redeemable up to $1,000. Again, that's promo code TERRIBLE to claim your bonus. Experience the thrill of sports betting right from the comfort of your own home home bet anything anytime anywhere with my bookie and to do so you can go to mybookie.ag and once again we hope that you use promo code terrible uh to claim your deposit match redeemable up to one thousand dollars all right dave like you said one and oh on the week so far let's make the rest of our picks and then we'll close things out with the steelers packers game All right, Indianapolis Colts on the road against the New England Patriots. The Colts are road favorites. Two points in this one. Uh, Yeah, not sure which way I want to go in this one. I'll lean the Colts, Dave. I'll take the I'll take the Patriots to eke one out here. So give me those two points there. Cleveland, big uh, AFC North battle. Cleveland Browns on the road against the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens at home laying six and a half points. 
Ooh, it's a big line there. I believe Watson is going to play in this one. Two great defenses. Ravens, though, better offense. Give me Baltimore. Yeah, hard not to take the Ravens the way they've been playing right now. So six and a half, uh, uh, they'll, they'll hook me on this one. I'll lay the six and a half at home. Jaguars hosting the 49ers. 49ers on the road laying three points. And it's been a tough couple games for the 49ers. I think they're getting healthier. They do have to travel, but I think I think San Francisco bounces back. Give me the 49ers. Yeah, my gut tells me to take the 49ers on this one. I think they can cover that three on the road. Uh, give me the 49ers later three. The Minnesota Vikings uh, with Joshua Dobbs at quarterback. Uh, your new NFC Offensive Player of the Week in Josh Dobbs hosting the Saints. All that said, the Saints are road favorites by three points in this. Does Josh Dobbs come crashing back to earth a little bit? I think a little bit as much as I love Dobbs and the story. Kudos and congrats to him. I'm going to go the Saints. I will bet against Josh Dobbs in this one as well, too. I'll take the Saints on the road laying the three points. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals at home hosting the Houston Texans. This ought to be a fairly entertaining game. All that said, the Bengals uh, six and a half point favorites at home against the Texans. Yeah, I know Stroud, unbelievable uh, unbelievable performance, I should say. Uh, He's their guy. I just think they're still figuring things out a bit. They've had some fits and starts. The Bengals are in a groove. The defense is playing better. I'm taking Cincinnati. Yeah, I just think when you look at the the way Cincinnati can get after the quarterback, and they might, I think Cincinnati might be without T. Higgins in this one. Last I looked, I think Jamar might try to give it a go here. But all that said, I think the Bengals can handle the Texans at home. I'll lay the six and a half points there. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home hosting the Titans. Buccaneers, one point home favorites in this one. Yeah, this one's tough. Tampa Bay has a pretty good run defense, and that's the lifeblood of the Titans team still. But, um, you know what? Give me, give me Tennessee. I thought Will Levis played such a good game. I think he can can pull this one off. Yeah, I think combined with Derrick Henry and and Will Levis, the way he's uh, we've seen him play so far, I, I I'm apt to think the Titans can win this one outright. So give me that point uh, with the Titans there. Arizona Cardinals are at home. Hosting the Falcons. I will not be watching this one. All that <laughs> said, Falcons on the road, favored by a point and a half against the Cardinals. I mean, Kyler Murray should be back this week. So there is there is that aspect. They're going to have, you know, their, their you know, supposed franchise quarterback. We'll see what the future of him really is. James Conner making it back for this one? It's His window's open. It sounds like maybe. I don't know for sure. Saturday will be the day. You know what? Give me Arizona. I'll take a, take a stab at it. I'll go the other way. Falcons need to have this one if they're going to hang around here. Uh, I'll take the Falcons, lay the point and a half on the road. Chargers, this ought to be a good game, hosting the Lions. Uh, the Lions are road favorites by three points in this one. Oh, on the road. A lot of, a lot of long travel this week for some of these teams. Um, yeah, give me Detroit. The Chargers, they just they find ways to lose. I think Dan Campbell's team will find ways to win. I think Lions. I think Lions are the sexy uh, uh, pick right now. So I'll go the opposite way. I'll take the Chargers to upset the Lions. So give me those three points. Cowboys hosting the Giants. Ooh, big line on this one. Cowboys at home laying seventeen. Can the Giants at least cover? It's NFC East matchup. Dallas, you know, should win. I'll say the Giants cover. Dak throws a, a pick or two. That defense for for New York can still make some plays. Uh, Dallas wins, but Giants cover. 
I'll go the opposite way. Cowboys big. I'll lay the 17 big number in this one. Seahawks at home playing the Commanders. Seahawks, six and a half home favorites. Yeah, I know they got shellacked by Baltimore last week, but they're going to bounce back. That pass rush is going to get after Sam Howell. So give me Seattle. I'll take Seattle lay the six and a half points in that one as well, too. The Raiders in a pick 'em game against the Jets. Raiders at home, pick 'em game. Mm, another I will not be watching. It's a pick 'em, don't watch him type of game. I'll 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 say the uh, Antonio Pierce fever moves on at least one more week. I'll take the Raiders. I'll take the Raiders as well, too, because of Max Crosby. Uh that's mm, enough reason true. for me to 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 take them there. The Bills at home hosting the Broncos. Bills are seven and a half point home favorites against the Broncos. Buffalo's a frustrating team. They don't play up to their talent all the time, but they win by 10. Give me Buffalo. I'll take Buffalo in a blowout as well, too. I'll lay the seven and a half points. That takes us back to the Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Green Bay Packers. Last time Green Bay won in Pittsburgh, 1970. Uh, The Steelers are now three and a half point home favorites against the Packers. It might concern you. It might concern me. You don't see many people picking the Packers. I was trying to find in my weekly, you know, how the national media is picking this one. I could only find one person picking Green Bay. And it kind of gets you a little bit nervous that everyone's a little too confident in a Pittsburgh Steelers team that never plays a comfortable game. All that said, though, assuming Alexander does not play Pittsburgh, having the advantage on the outside at home, taking great care of the football you know, being a more mistake-free type of team than Green Bay. Packers don't force many takeaways defensively. I'm going Pittsburgh 24 to 16. Pittsburgh mm. 24 to 16. Uh, look, I think uh, Kenny Pickett, I think this sets up for Kenny Pickett to hit a uh, bottom of the ninth uh, home run uh, in, 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 in this one. Uh, I like the Steelers five to four. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, for the seventh inning stretch, right? Uh, uh, this this could be one of those one of those uh, slug them out games where both both teams move the ball between the between the forties and uh, like one of those electronic football games where they just sit there and rattle in the middle of the uh, <laughs> middle of the field. That's that's a you never got to play the uh, electronic football or, or you know uh, with the vibrating table and all like that. So you're missing out on the analogy there. Uh, look, I, I think I think the Steelers are the better team here, uh, top to bottom. I think they find a, they find a way to win this. That said, three and a half three and a half points. I think the game might be a little bit closer mm. uh, than than that. I think the Steelers win this. They probably win it late again. I have the Steelers winning 20 to 17 in this one. So give me the Packers plus the three and a half points. Mm. But I have the Steelers winning this outright 20 to 17 in a close game. What concerns you the most about Green Bay's ability to keep this one super close or potentially win it? I think they're going to be able to maybe run the ball a little bit in this game. And I think there's a good chance that they get after Kenny Pickett a little bit in this game as well, too. Maybe force it. Maybe Rashawn Gary forces a turnover that, that gets that gets uh, uh, Green Bay on the short field on 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 this one. Uh, I'm not so concerned about the explosive play element for either team really in this game. I just think overall, top to bottom, the Steelers make one more 
Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see the explosive plays come out something like three to two mm. in, the, in the Steelers' favor. Uh, maybe the Steelers win the uh, the turnover battle two to one. So you have an even top score uh, in this one. And and the Steelers make a play late in this game. I don't know, maybe, maybe a field goal uh, to break, break the tie or something like that. that that's the way this one kind of lines up in my head. The two things that concern me the most about what Green Bay is able to do that could give Pittsburgh problems is, A, the run stunts up front that I think can disrupt and create some negative plays. And then I think they're just a really athletic skill position group at wide receiver, and Pittsburgh does not have the legs besides Porter, especially assuming that Minka is going to be out. And so can a Watson or you know Reed or Wicks or Musgrave with the linebackers hurting for Pittsburgh uh, make a play. So I just I wonder about the athleticism matchup in the secondary. Um, but I think Pittsburgh can still prevail. I do think, you know, Tom talked about, you know, this is one that could get away, probably more apt to get away from the Packers than it is the Steelers. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not predicting that, but I mean, if there was ever a game, uh, ever a game that the Steelers could have the most comfortable win of the se- <laughs> season, whatever that the low looked, bar. Uh, whatever that looks like, this could potentially be it. Uh, it just it does it. It feels like the if this one got away from the Packers early, it could snowball on them with Love trying to force some mm-hmm. things and 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 that kind of thing. Once again, not predicted. I I see where Tom's coming from uh, uh, with that, but uh, uh, I, I have to see it before <laughs> uh, you know I, to 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 believe it. There, I I just think. The Steelers are the better of the two teams, top to bottom here, uh, overall, and especially if they can get Hayward and you know, Landon Roberts to play in this game, uh, overall. But uh, I, I think the Steelers win win a close one here. I suppose I do have Pittsburgh with their quote unquote most comfortable win of the year at eight, which is the most, they've not won okay. a game by more than seven points this season. But uh, yeah, blowouts in Pittsburgh just don't happen. So I'm happy to be wrong about that, but. They just don't occur in Pittsburgh. This is one of those games where, once again, I, I it feels like the Steelers should win it. I don't care how they win it. Uh, just just win this one. Just they become the Raiders. Just win, baby. Just win, baby. Yeah, uh, that's their MO. That's how they have. Win close, win ugly, win barely, but win. That is all that matters. That's all Pittsburgh cares about. They're a scoreboard type of team, which is fair. But then it goes, goes into the whole thing about, okay, if you're barely scraping by against the Packers and the Titans, et cetera, if and when you get to the playoffs, what does that look like? Okay. All right, Dave, let's get to a couple of reader emails and close out today's show. All right. Danny writes in coach Tomlin mentioned that he was going to have refs present uh, at team practices this week in an effort to reduce penalties. Who are these folks? Are they active? Yeah. Uh, his, his old, his whole question, are they retired refs alternates? Danny, I was really hoping that someone from the media would have, would have hit that, uh, in, 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 in the Tomlin press conference. And I, since Alex and I talked about it the other day, I, I haven't researched or anything, uh, like that. I would think that the, these, these, because of the points of emphasis and all, wouldn't you want, a, a, and I'm sure there's cost involved in that, bring it, and that's probably why teams don't have refs every week and refs aren't full-time anyway uh, within that. So, I, Danny, I, I, we don't have a great question of how, what this looks like, the minutia involved, and it would be it would be fun to hear Tomlin talk five minutes on on what all goes into this. 
you know, I, I meant to pass this along to you, Dave, and hopefully I'm not speaking out of turn to uh, to mention this, but I got a DM from a listener of the podcast who actually did give me some information here. Um, he says, I just listened to the podcast. I know a guy who is a local high school official, does high school games. He officiated the Steelers practice last Wednesday. Mm. I don't know what they did for training camp. That might be different. I believe NFL refs. I think Bob Labriola said NFL refs come in for, for training camp. Um, and then for the high school guys, what the Steelers do is they tell them what to watch for in practice, watch for holding, okay. or let the DBs be physical against receivers, that type of stuff. So it seems like training camp, NFL refs do come in during the season. It's more high school, and they just kind of tell them, hey, call this more, don't call this, uh, to kind of give that NFL feel. So I appreciate that listener for cluing me in, and hopefully uh, hopefully that's okay for me to say uh, and, publicly. And, and yo, know, you reduce the cost aspect of their local guys, you know, Hey, come on down. We'll right. pay you, you know, a hundred dollars, whatever, you know, and some uh, of these NFL reps are doing like basketball games, right. you know, technically full time. So it's probably hard logistically to get NFL reps to, uh, to travel across the country. I just worry about the point of emphasis type stuff. Sure. I, I guess they just go off of a sheet and say, Hey, we want you to concentrate on this. And, you know, looking ahead at, 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 at whatever crew they're going to have, uh, this week, what they've been known, you know, what, what the high percentage of things they call and that, that kind of thing there. So, I mean, that, that obviously makes sense. You mm -hmm. know, my, my main point is I would like to hear Tomlin talk about it for five minutes, you know? Yeah. Don't think he'll be asked, but, uh, wish he could be, uh, Brett writes in, uh, the media discussion about Matt Canada is a little pointless. As you said before the season, they aren't going to fire him. And if the offense is still broken, he won't be back. Anything else is wasted breath. My question is about the process of finding, a replacement. He says, in my observation, Tomlin tend to hire second tier coaches. I'm not saying they don't have talent, but they tend to be guys with limited experience or name recognition. He's not hiring the Wink Martindales of the world. The guys he brings in tend to not have a lot of gravitas, uh, always like he's hiring guys that can't challenge him or threaten his job. The last time they brought in a name was when they brought in Todd Haley. Uh, he says, and I believe that came from ownership. Now we've gone through several coordinator changes, uh, since then each time the offense seems to get worse. Is it time for ownership, uh, slash con to do it again? He says, I'm not saying bringing in Todd Haley, but is it a time for, to, for an arranged marriage for Tomlin, perhaps with a more name quarterback whisperer when they brought in Haley, they were protecting their investment in the franchise quarterback. Could that be precedent for this situation? Man, we are ways away from really once again, ha you know, having, I, I, I will say this. I look, I still think Tomlin, do you really want Art Rooney saying bringing, bring in this guy? Uh, no, I probably wouldn't want the owner to solely say bring in this guy. I mean, you know, you want to have, it's just probably not a great football type thing to have the owner handpick the specific coordinator. I would agree there. Now, would there be conversations where Rooney maybe suggest a couple of guys. Have you looked at this guy here? Sure. here you know, and, and yeah, I, I think that's a possibility there, but uh, I would think Tomlin has a lot of say in this. I, I, and I've said this in the past, this next one that they have, I would like to be an experienced, but yet on a little bit on the younger side coordinator, mm -hmm. you know, but, but, Definitely with NFL experience, I don't want to go get the hot commodity out of college or anything along those lines. I would like this this next coordinator to have been recent, you know, been been on a few staffs 
but with, with enough experience, but yet, you know, not 50, 60 years old on top of it. Well, you kind of just described Glenn Thomas, <laughs> the offensive assistant right now, who just got hired this year. Well, look, I mean, and we uh, we know uh, the, the track record with them going within from within. Right. So, I mean, Thomas is younger, but he's been on NFL staffs. He's been in college. I'm not saying I'm not advocating for him, but I'm just saying you kind of described the resume that you're looking for. He's one of those guys that would fit that bill. And he might get an interview if they do move on from from Canada. Um. Yeah, I mean, you know, we can debate the whole coaching thing. I think, yeah, Tomlin certainly, you know, has a ton of sway and he's, you know, the main guy in terms of choosing the uh, the coordinators. But, you know, it, it, he did hire Todd Haley. I mean, that can't ignore that. He did hire Brian Flores, who was a named guy. Terrell Austin was not a huge named guy, but he's an experienced guy that was kind of rumored for some head coaching jobs way back when. So not this total, you know, no one's ever heard of him before type of hire. So we could have a big debate about that, but my focus is less there right now. AG writes in, you've mentioned your belief that you know what a quarterback is after 20 games. Really, my statement was you know a lot more. I mean, you you can really start talking about a quarterback after 20 games. Uh, and he says, I submit that you typically don't know what a quarterback is until between halfway through their second year and the end of their third year. The way I look at it, he says, I think that this is, this is backed by the data. Uh, Kenny has ended his apprenticeship and we're starting the 15th. 15 month evaluation period on him. He says, I wouldn't begin to write him off until this point next year. And he would have to have shown almost no progression. Even then, if we're breaking in a new OC, he says, I think you have to give him uh, the second half of 2024 as well. Obviously the reason we feel the need to rush things is because our best players, Cam, TJ and Minka are getting older and more injury prone. Unfortunately, instead of acknowledging in 2020, that Ben, was cooked and going up uh, and going up to get a quarterback like Justin Fields to be prepared to transition in 2022. We took the short-sighted approach of drafting a running back, but don't let this mistake force you to throw poor poor baby Kenny uh, out with the with the bathwater. Um, Brian Baldinger talked on 93.7 yesterday, and I think he made a lot of good points uh, when it comes to Kenny Pickett and how. You know, to start off this year, it didn't have you know, Deontay Johnson for for slate there. Uh, what else did he have to? Uh, you know, obviously Pat Fryer. Tight end, yeah. You know the the tight end situation uh, there. Uh, the thing, the thing that we have, and, and basically. Baldinger said, Hey, let, let's, you know, give it a little bit more time. Look, they've got nothing, but in my opinion, they're no, nobody's doing nothing when it comes to Kenny Pickett right now and making any hard decisions. And I think we've made that pretty clear that, that if, if you're, if you're in the pool of people that say Kenny Pickett's not it, well, if you, if you, if you, if you're in that group of people, you're just going to have to sit on your hands. Uh, Mm -hmm. for, for at least through, uh, next season when it comes to that, I I think Baldinger made some, some good points. I just, the, the 20 game thing is that, that I've been talking about is I don't think that you can have in-depth conversations about, about what a, a quarterback is good at, not good at. And, and all those things until you reach that point. Look, the, the Packers are still really haven't hit that point with, with Jordan Love. But how many people right now 
On the Packers side, if you're a Packers fan right now and you're looking at the slate of work that Jordan Love has, they're probably drawing a line in the sand right now, right? Probably. I think there's a lack of confidence that Love is that guy. It's a weirder situation because he's been in the league for so long but hasn't had the experience, so that's a different scope to kind of evaluate a player. But, yeah, confidence not high right now. Uh, but within that, I I do think that it, that you've got Deontay Johnson back. Hopefully you get uh, uh, Pat Farmuth back here. Uh, it's going – I think it's going to be very fun to draw the line in the sand after this past week and divide this season up into the first eight games. Now, look, without a doubt, missing Deontay and some of these guys aside, uh, I think it's been a little bit underwhelming of where I thought Kenny would be at this point uh, uh, there. Uh, Within that, I mean, got no choice but to watch these next nine games because he's not going anywhere with that. I I really want to see a nice progression in 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 Kenny in these next nine games, and especially if you're able to have all your eligibles stay on the field, get Firemuth back, and, and all like that. Uh, but but the 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 emailer here says you know this goes now into a 15 month evaluation period and then the next uh, uh oc uh uh you know assuming there's a next oc at what point do you draw the line and mm-hmm. say that that this is what kenny pickett is yeah i, I would just say a couple quick things hey no one at least david are not trying to get rid of kenny pickett today <laughs> like or you know it's not our intent i mean he's gonna be the quarterback for the rest of the year assuming he stays healthy he's gonna have nearly 30 career starts by the end of the season um that's enough to begin evaluating a guy and yes you could talk about some of the external factors the injuries the play calling reality is for almost every quarterback they're dealing with injuries or dealing with some external issue the lines hurt whatever the whatever the defense isn't good you know we can play that game probably forever but there's still enough to evaluate kenny pickett as a quarterback, as himself. And he's probably going to be the starter in 2024. And so you're going to have the entire 2024 season to evaluate him as well. So uh, I'm not worried about lack of uh, sample size or playing time because he's going to get the playing time to evaluate him off of. And look, the uh, the completion percentage uh, accuracy thing that we talked about is a concern right now. You definitely want to see that get better over these final nine games. Oh, yeah, it's got to be better for sure. All right. Uh, Him attacking the middle of the field a little bit more uh, is something you want to see. He's done a good job, obviously, not turning the football over, but there have been some interceptable plays that he's gotten away with. So, uh, Top of my head, most of those seem to be more miscommunication related, but there there have been some that he throws that he's gotten away with, uh, that being said there. Uh, look, I, I, it's going to be fun to look at these next nine games with him, especially against some of these opponents. Uh, look, the best thing he can do is go out on, on, on Sunday against the Packers, against a defense that probably going to be without a couple of guys and have his best game of his career or, or right there up there you know, yeah, uh, 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 with it, uh, that will, that will, uh, 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 get, get more of the doubters off, off that side of things. I think overall there, uh, no, I, I thought Baldinger brought up some great points in there, uh, uh, with, with, with not having DJ and all like that, but it, at, at some point you got to, the, the quarterback still got to elevate whoever he has around him and elevate them. 
Yeah, the things that I've been critical of Pickett on are not related to Deontay Johnson's been hurt or the tight end position's kind of funky. You know, when you're missing some open receivers, some plays there for the taking that aren't there, some pocket presence issues earlier in the season, um, those aren't related to, you know, who's in and who's out. That That's just to a man, Kenny Pickett's playing or well or not well. And, you know, you go on, I think even uh, uh, Baldinger brought up, you know, Josh Allen didn't have the best accuracy you know, starting off and now that's coming to come, come in line. And this, this reader, I'm not going to read all this that he has here, but he talks about, you know, several that made jumps after their second, you know, could, could Kenny be a late bloomer? We've seen late bloomers across the league as well, too. You know? Uh, yeah. But those are usually like younger guys, not older guys to right. come out of college. I've I had to, had to guess. He mentions, uh, Oh, I don't want to go. He's got a lot written here. Uh, he says you have outliers on the other end of the spectrum. Cousins, Tanny Hill, Gino that didn't play their best ball until well into their careers. He says there are outliers like Dak and Russell Wilson that were incredible in year one, but then didn't rep- replicate uh, this this success. Here's the thing. Kenny, Kenny's not going anywhere. We're not suggesting suggesting that Kenny go anywhere at this point. I just always feel. Uh, well, look, uh, I asked Tom this and and Tom. Tom, Tom tap danced around it, you know, around, around uh, the question about love or picket, right? Uh, who would you take right now? Jordan love or Kenny Pickett? I I'd probably lean Pickett, but I mean, I understand Tom's point of view because I haven't sat there and in-depthly watched Jordan love right. that I've watched Kenny Pickett. So it's a little hard for me to, to answer that just because, you know, I, I watched the last couple of games of Jordan love, but I've not seen the totality of his career in, in his play. I think I definitively take Pickett over love. From what from what I've seen, what's the uh, biggest reason for that? I just I think he's I think he is uh, is more in tune with offensive seeing seeing things, knowing where he wants to go with the football. Uh, the overall leader, I just feel like he's a better leader overall. And then there's a whole end of game thing. Yeah, the end of game thing, I think Tom talked about love has struggled in those late game moments. Yeah, I think Pickett just takes care of the football better. I I need a quarterback that protects the football more. And so that's why I would lean lean Pickett. Right. Now, if you look statistically, love uh has more touchdowns than than Kenny, uh double, I think, twelve to six, but he mm-hmm. also has more interceptions too, right? Yeah, and Pickett has a Kenny has the uh end of game uh accomplishments. Right. Pickett has a top 10 lowest interception rate. Love is one of the worst in football. So that's what, and yeah, now again, I don't know the reason for all of Love's interceptions. Maybe they're not all on him. They're not all created equal, but just baseline. That's kind of what I make that evaluation off of. All right. Uh, Dan writes in on the last podcast, you talked about the possibility of Broderick Jones being the long-term right tackle. Jones is a blue chip pedigree guy. Who's a natural left tackle. He says, and it seems short-sighted to move him to a position of lower value, all in the name of keeping Dan Moore at left tackle, who's been below average there for his entire tenure. Most teams spend years trying to find a long-term franchise left tackle. Steelers may have found one, but instead of cashing in, they almost immediately switch him out of position. Do you guys have any concerns about potential long-term position switch being a mistake? Dan, reading your, my first inclination is to say if, Broderick Jones can be a uh, all pro pro bowl, right? Tackle leave him the hell there because in today's NFL, the way these pass rushers, most of them go around the league, these premier pass rushers, they will go to wherever your weakest component is. 
Uh, so if you have a strong left tackle, they'll just flip these pass rushers over to your weak spot over at right tackle. So uh, years ago, it, it and look, he, 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 even the pay starting to distribute out a little bit better, I think, between left and right tackle. I mean, is it still there's still this notion that the mm-hmm. left tackle, because of the blind side with the quarterbacks, is where the where you got to have this guy. All right. Uh, but if 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 and I don't know how Broderick Jones might very well end up end up at left tackle as early as week one or who knows when what's going to happen with him. But in this short time being right now, if Broderick Jones comes out over these neck over the remainder of the season, assuming he stays at right tackle, which look, we know this is a week to week. Things can happen. He an injury might happen. He might have to flip over back you know, to, to, to the left side there, but let's, let's say he stays at right tackle right now. If that guy balls out over there and, and, and is playing at a high level, my first notion is to leave him there. Yeah. I, I just say, yeah, I, I made the comment about that. We had the discussion about that because let's say you go into the off season and find a great left tackle in the draft and he's really a left tackle. Then maybe you can just put him there and leave Jones at right tackle. Or you sit there and say, we found this great right tackle. And we can move Jones back over. So I think at this point, you just go in and say, let's go find a really good tackle. And whether he's left or right, we can make it work because Jones is flexible. Ideally, yeah, Jones probably should go back to left tackle, but you just have some options and possibilities there. And I was just impressed by how well Jones looks at right tackle given his lack of experience there. And to Dave's point, yeah. And in today's NFL, while left tackles still get paid more than right tackles, you got you know, TJ Watt faces right tackles every week. Max Crosby faces right tackles every week. Garrett Phillips, Bosa plays primarily, uh, I think, on the left side a bit more than the right side, although he does, of course, play both. So uh, you better have a good right tackle who can pass protect. I think Pittsburgh is well aware of that because their right tackle squares off against TJ Watt every single day. I'm not concerned about potential long-term position switch being a mistake until until it looks like it was a mistake. <laughs> I know that's uh, look put put your best guys out there at at their at mm-hmm. their best positions in the moment. Uh, live for today and right now, because look, Mike Thomas came right out and said Dan Moore can't play. <laughs> Basically, yeah. said Dan Moore can't play right tackle. So in the short term, if you're if if you want to get Broderick Jones on the field and you don't want Chiquama Corfer on the field, well, then Broderick Jones is going to play uh, right tackle. I I'm I'm I don't I understand the questions about the concerns long term, but it, it's better to win now in the short term with putting people wherever they need to be. And then after the season, look at it and say, well, you know, are we good? Because you don't know what this team's going to draft or sign a free agency mm-hmm. or whatnot. Uh, if Dan, if the plan is right now, at least to start the season with Dan Moore at left tackle, then there's only one place for Brian Jones to play. Right. And while I know people would want Dan Moore to be benched, they're not benching him. So I'm glad Jones is at least playing at right tackle to get some NFL snaps as opposed to him sitting on the bench just so you're not playing him at right tackle. I will say this, though, on top of it, if Broderick Jones is there for the rest of the season at right tackle and no injuries happen and, he, and you think, good Lord, you know, this guy is grading out well on a week-to-week basis, I'm not a fan of fixing things that aren't broke. 
Yeah, I get that. I, I, it seems like Jones is, can probably play either side. So and he'll get more comfortable at right tackle. He's talked about being more natural left side because he's been a left tackle in his career. But I think he'll get some experience at right tackle. Corfor was a left tackle in his career. He flipped over to the right side and you know adjusted you know well to it. Jones obviously more upside, more potential, but uh, that's the the overall thought there. Let's hit one more from Seth here and get out of here. Just catching the Wednesday podcast discussion of the offense, having no margin for error, needing to protect the football, and that leading to a very conservative offense. I'm wondering, do you guys see that as an indicator of the staff's confidence level in Kenny individually, or do you think it's more just looking at the whole offense, seeing they're not scoring and thinking we can't turn it over, and Kenny just being one part of that? Uh, I could see either way, but it's hard to imagine a Sullivan getting greedy quote if they thought they could get top end quarterback play from their guy. First and foremost, as we've said, there's been instances where Kenny's not let it rip uh, uh, overall. Uh, I do think to some, I, I think more than five times a week, Mike Thomas telling them don't turn the football over for whatever that's worth. Yeah, I would just say it's more the overall picture. This is not a high-scoring offense. It has not been for many years, and the numbers show and how they won the back half of last year because they went but after the bye last year. They turned the ball over like in two games or something of the, the nine that they played, something ridiculous like that, and they won because of it. So they're just going off of how they've won and how they've succeeded so far. And so that's, you know, don't turn the ball over. They, they're a defensive team. It's a defensive coach. They trust their defense to make plays, and so that is how they're – trying to build this thing. Are they a conservative offense as a whole? Yes. Yeah, I think that's not in, in dispute by anybody. Now, the the, the problem becomes the, these 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 close late game wins are great because they're W's. I don't care how you get them in the NFL. If you win a game, that's something. The one, And it goes back into us talking about Kenny. You know, Kenny what's going to happen when you get into these games where you need to score uh, because your defense you know, can't get off the field and giving up 27, 28 points. Can your offense uh, open it up? Sure. That is the high floor, low ceiling nature of how this team is being built and run. Is this an indicator? He's let's get to the core of his question. Do you guys see that at, that as an indicator of the staff's confidence level in Kenny individually right now? It's it's a part of that, but it's not just about Kenny. It's about the offense as a whole, and it is a lot of their trust in this defense to win games because they have been doing it for essentially a full season. The back half of last year and the first half of this year has been defensively driven, low-scoring, one-possession wins, and they are just going to try to ride that as long as they can. Look, I think he, I think Mike Tomlin knows that stat that we wrote about this past week, if, if, if a Steelers team right now doesn't turn the football over, they're hard to beat right now. Right. Even more so than your typical team. Mm-hmm. So the numbers, I think, prove that. And that is why there's such an emphasis on protect the ball. That is paramount in Pittsburgh. Look, whatever you think about Kenny Pickett to this point, you know, uh, it, it's it's going to be fun to look at these final nine games, especially against you know, you got some lower end teams there, and then you've obviously got uh, what four games against uh, a very tough AFC North division. So it, it, it it's going to be fun to have that talk at the end of the season of how he did in these final nine games. Yep, we'll be watching, we'll be recapping, and we'll see where things stand come January. All right, uh, let's see. 
Anything else? I think we got it, right? Yeah, it'd be a pretty long show. Might have touched two hours today. So I'll be back Monday and recap what happened on Sunday. All right. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter slash X at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. Like what we do and want to donate, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button. Like uh, an ad free version. Find the ad free button on SteedersDepot.com as well, too. We've got the scouting reports up for the game, offense and defense. Uh, Alex and the guys put together. Uh, please get my SteedersDepot.com and, and read over those. Got a lot of great content. Keep to the game uh uh a whole bunch of weekly stuff that we do ahead of the game here over the weekend here i hope you're joining us obviously on saturday going to be a probably a busy day or could be a busy day with uh with uh possibly an elevation and things of that nature so until monday as always thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with dave and alex